Recorded in the darkest dungeons of the basement of Death Studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playin' and slayin'. From the BOD studio, it is Playing and Slaying, episode San Francisco 49ers. And in this episode, we have a uh, a lengthy discussion with a, a dear friend and a hobby legend, Steve Herner, uh, kind of the founder of the Holy Hammers, Holy Wars, Holy Havoc, a 671-day hobby streak. And we we've dub this the storyteller episode as we uh, <laughs> sit down with Steve and, and kind of really just have a great, great discussion about a, a number of topics around his tournaments and then hobby and, and art. Um, so our our regular show format will be slightly different. Um, we're going to go over our, you know, obviously what we're what we're drinking, because that's a must. And then we'll get into a little bit of our hobby accountability challenge uh, before the the main segment with Steve. Um, and then from there on, we will, uh, maybe talk a little bit at the end about episode 50, but we're trying to think of something extra special. Um, Bryce and I want to do a dramatic reading. Troy and Josh seem to be opposed, but we will sort it out (laughs) and see what we can do for you guys for episode 50. All right. When you're playing and slaying, it is important to stay hydrated. Now we've had a uh, a lot of talking so far at this point, recording a little bit out of order, but I just want to make sure we're all still imbibing. So, Bryce, what what are you drinking for the show tonight? Well, as you mentioned, it was it's been it's been a while since I sat down, so it, I, I saved the last drink intentionally. But as everyone knows, I always say Corona's for family, and there's not a better episode mm-hmm. to talk about family than hanging out with Steve and talking about the best event we could go to. So. Excellent. A very, very true statement. Um, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to just get like a Corona sponsorship. Yeah. The, that, or at least get it on a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Josh, what are you drinking tonight? I don't know. I was, I was feeling a little fancy, so. Like uh, No, I, I, I got, a, I got a Stella. Whoa. Oh, okay. Are you drinking out of a fancy Stella glass too? Yeah. Did you did you cut, did the, you cut the, the head off with a knife? Yeah. Sure. Okay. You're lying to us. Yeah, he's definitely lying, and Matt Damon is lying about getting water for, like, <laughs> clean drinking water for every Stella that gets drank. <laughs> All right, Troy. What uh, what are you drinking tonight? Hopefully, it's not clean water from Matt Damon. Um. It, it was a combination of um, Zevia Cola, Will Conway's favorite drink, <laughs> and uh, Graysdale's Mead. 
if uh, we real inside joke and maybe knows what that is, but I have uh, my, my if you right. can. Nobody can see me on my video, but I do. No, no, this is a radio. This is I a radio broadcast. Grays, I do have my Graysdale Mead uh, bottle here. For everyone that's listening, he's still holding it up to the camera. Like you can see it. <laughs> well, I'm for you guys. I'm proving it to you guys. I, I appreciate it. it. Oh, Josh, a liar. I don't want you guys to go. So. Yeah, I would never accuse the Bodfather of lying. Um, I am drinking a beer from Third Space tonight. Mocha. Java. It's their uh, porter coffee from um, Stone Creek, a Milwaukee roastery. Uh, and it's their their porter that is seasonal. After their Oktoberfest drops, usually you can find this. So it is, uh, you know, the weather's cooling off. Winter is coming, in the uh, words of Starks. And with that, it's porter and stout season. So Mocha Java uh, from Third Space, a very good, very tasty kind of coffee-flavored uh, porter. All right, let's get let's cut to the chase. Hobby accountability challenge. Um, I think, you know, foreshadowing would say there, there might be some donations made uh, from when I just glanced at the show notes. But I'm going to kick it off because I'm pretty proud of myself. This is two hobby goals in a row that I feel like I've set attainable, kind of measurable, uh, you know, really smart uh, goals. Um, my goal from last time was the, to prime, uh, the Indomitus, uh, space Marines, and then the eighth ed starter box Primaris. Um, and then part two of that goal is to paint a test model. So I not only primed, but I did like full on Zenithal, you know, from, um, from different angles. I'm going to have them already. I even used Bryce's, uh, I think it was Vince hobby cheating, kind of gray model wash from Vallejo. Um, so I've, I've got all this primed, uh, space Marines ready to go. I did a test model in the Darren Latham kind of contrast over metallics. And then what we are calling the Stanley recipe of blood angels. Um, as <laughs> <TM>. Bryce... <laughs> yes. Trademark that. Uh, so that the, the goal was to paint a test model and prime all of those. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to go right into, you know, how I did. I killed it. I, in fact, got two test models done, everything primed. And tonight I base coated the initial red on five more of the assault intercessors, uh, which is going to segue into what my new goal is. But I crushed it. I nailed it. Let's talk to Troy about his hobby goal from last time and how he performed. Um, What would I say I was going to do? Oh, a Necron King Um. So I kind of got kind of a paint scheme done. Um, <laughs> Are you sure? Wow. <laughs> I think so. I I did get, I got, so I got a couple guys done. They're more like test model. I'm still not really happy with them. That's why I'm kind of him and Hawden, but they're just regular Necron guys. So I may just like go, oh, they're close and I can move on and i actually probably should do more of a hq or leader model so i can play with more more uh more stuff on them so so i, I kind of i said i think i would kind of have a squad painted and a test model i got two guys kind of completely done and, and i'm still deciding if i really like it or not or if i need to do something i feel like i still need to tune my recipe so 
Um, so I'm I'm not calling it a win. I'm, I'm I think I'm throwing like my, my ten dollars in my my uh, like a half fail, whatever half success should be positive. Glass half full, half success. yeah. You, you go. got halfway halfway there. And I did do I did do a random. I, I did get sidetracked in that. Like I, like you, I did do a Darren Latham. Um, I did flesh tears. Um, and I actually was really happy with that. It actually made me super happy. That was that was fun. Nice. Yeah, it's a fun way to paint. Um, you know, talk about that maybe more in, in depth later uh, in, in a future show. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Josh, goal from last time and performance against goal. Yeah, so I, I had 3D printed a bunch of this, like, um, I don't know, these these arches that were really cool. They turned out pretty nice. I based them all and had them primed and um i think that was a previous goal that i had had and then i did about half of the terrain uh for my last goal and i was gonna try to finish it up and i don't know i just lost steam i don't know what happened and i i need to get back on the horse here and get that finished up so i failed i will be donating what is it ten dollars we'll go we'll go to the the hesed house all right, excellent. That you're showing some charity love, and uh, later on, we we do definitely talk about Steve uh, Herner's charity work. But Bryce, um, not not to you know not to string one failure to the next, but let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about your attempt at a hobby. Hey, hey, the mighty have to fall at some point, right? It's like and, the, yeah, the '87 yeah. Yankees couldn't win every year. That's. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I just compared myself to that. Yep. Um, yeah, so okay. my goal was to paint uh, two units of the Lannisters that I had acquired, mm-hmm. and I got them all base coated, um, and then I stopped. I also said that I would convert something, which I didn't do. Um, I I didn't I didn't have the COVID, but I was not feeling well for a very long time since we last recorded. So it was very hard to find the motivation to to get paint going so i failed all right well and uh that might be some of your first uh money total because you've been playing it hobby is my coach, first but um i i think you're gonna be adding money and what charity uh, i know you had talked about it before we recorded and josh may have also I mentioned the charity, but what are you doing with your donation? Yeah, to, to honor our guest, I will make my donation to the Hesed House, and you'll hear in like four hours about what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Yep. And I and I sent my twenty dollars there already, so you you will, nice. you will find out about that wonderful charity in uh, an hour and forty five minutes from now, something like that. Yeah, and I, I reference Giving Tuesday is coming up soon, but my company does a match. Uh, so I'll I'll be waiting at that point and then doing a, a donation and then my my employer will, will match it. So maybe I need the record again fail so I can add to uh, to <laughs> yeah. that donation. Um but speaking of failing, let's talk about our uh, new goals for next time. Um, so I kind of alluded to, I started, I base coated the initial red on five, uh, assault intercessors. Um, my goal for next time is actually to paint, uh, four. I I'd said I was going to do like the squad of five, but since I'm not counting the test model, I'm just going to paint five, um, assault intercessors in the Stanley method. Um, and then I also have to develop yeah. a recipe for a, a yellow helmet. 
because I have the one test model I did with red, but assault Marines and the blood angels need to be uh, a yellow helm. So I kind of got to figure that out. That's my goal. Um, Troy, what is your goal for next time? Uh, the new Necron Codex just came out. And so that's kind of got me motivated to build. So I think my next goal is really to build a crap ton of Indominus uh, Necrons and some of the Necrons I have built. So I, I think for measurement, let's say I have uh, another two squads of some stuff built here. So Two squads of some stuff. Sounds yep. good to me. That are probably Necrons. So. <laughs> I love how you leave yourself an out. <laughs> and then I still I still end up paying. It's all about yeah. it's all about yeah. yeah. I like it. Uh Josh, what is your goal for next time? Uh so I'm gonna finish up that terrain set, which actually I found two more pieces that I primed over the weekend. So it is actually seven pieces of terrain. Um, but I'll also add to it I need to prime uh two large buildings that I finish 3d printing so all right so priming up some stuff and finishing out the old goal yeah um excellent bryce how about you you set in a goal for next time yeah i have i have some some friends that have 3d printers that have been helping me print some stuff for an event um and i want to try to make the bases for those like we talked about in the past episode and i do want to standardize the base size so I want to get some templates made and figure out how how to do that and what I need and all that. So get that figured out and get some some base templates cut out so that I can get some colors and basing on this terrain that's sitting in my basement. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Well, with the hobby accountability challenge uh, in the can, we are going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to sit down with Steve Herner um, and, and talk about all things holy events, all things hobby, uh, and just really get deep with him on, on a number of topics. So uh, hopefully you are all set for some uh, wonderful storytelling uh, of, of the hobby variety, and we'll be back here with Steve in a few moments. And we are back, and with us is a very, very special guest, near and dear to, to those of us that have attended the Holy Wars and Holy Havoc events. We have Steve Herner joining us in our remote studio tonight. Steve, welcome to the show, and thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. It's an honor. So, Steve, we, uh, we here on Planet Slan, we talk about origin stories, kind of how all of us came into our superpowers of hobby and or gaming. Uh, so what I think would be a little bit of fun is tonight to just go through what your hobby origin story was. How did you get uh, involved and where did it, it grow from? Okay. Uh, well, I hope this is a long format podcast. Um, <laughs> long story. Um, well, you know, um, I when I was a kid, um, growing up, I didn't really, um, I was more like a hobbit than anything else. Didn't have a lot of friends. I um, only really had one friend growing up. And then we would do these little kind of like miniature D&D &D campaigns just with the two of us. It was pretty lame. It's pretty, pretty <laughs> unimpressive. Um, but I always had a, I always had a fascination with miniature wargaming. And um, 
kind of got away from it a little bit as I, as I, you know, got older um, and got involved with other things. And then in 2003, um, I was actually diagnosed with stage four melanoma. And um, at the time I was a, I was a dad I had two boys and my third was on the way. And then after about 14 months of uh, crazy, crazy treatments and interferon and chemo and all this other crazy stuff to try to keep me alive. Um, my boys and I were wandering through a mall and uh, I was right around probably 20, see 2004, 2005, somewhere in there. Uh, we were wandering through a mall and there was a games workshop in there and I had my boys with me and I was like, Hey, let's, let's go inside. Cause it was like, Oh my gosh, look at this. This is totally awesome. And, um, we walked in and, uh, you know, the boys, their faces lit up and, uh, it was like taking me right back to the dream of what I would do with my boys someday. And, and, um, it took me right back to my roots of painting miniatures when, when my buddy John and I would be doing our little D and D sessions and my little paladin. And I was talking to the guy behind the counter and I was talking about ink washes and all this crazy fun <laughs> stuff that, you know, we used to do back then in the 1980s dating myself here. Um, and, um, and he said, yeah, you know, that's what some people do. And so he showed us the miniatures and I walked out of there just like a lot of people with the battle for McCraig 40K set at the time. And little did I know that that would take me down this rabbit hole of plastic crack. Um, <laughs> is now I'm looking around my studio and just shelves upon shelves upon shelves of Warhammer. So shortly after that, um, I would say it took about – Really, it only probably took about two months of going back to the store. And my uh, my oldest, Reed, was uh, at the time, you know, he was really into dinosaurs. And he saw these things called lizard men. And that was how we, so our gateway drug was 40K, and then it turned into fantasy. And Lord of the Rings was there at the same time. So we were we were doing Lord of the Rings at the same time. Lord of Rings, to be honest with you, Lord of the Rings uh, game was our was our was what we were doing to get our fantasy fix. You know, so we had our, sure. we had our 40 K that we were messing around with. Um, my boy Reed had a Tyranid army and then Quinn was doing space Marines and I was doing Tau. And then, you know, Reed was like, Hey dad, check these out. And so we were, that kind of got us into the whole fantasy thing. And then it just took off from there. Fantasy just grabbed us. And I, apologize i don't remember what edition it was it's all blur now i'm 50 so like it's like probably <laughs> calcium on my brain um anyway we started playing fantasy and um you know i think the uh the does that answer the origin question i guess it, i i think it does okay um, although i, I am, do i do oh. want to hear i do want to go way back i want to go back to those 80s i want to know what were some, uh -huh. what was like some of those first miniatures you were painting and oh and my gosh first, first miniature battle games maybe you were exposed to sorry this is me because we're we're of an age so sure <laughs> okay troy um well now you really put me on the spot here man um let's see so let's see well it was D D, really i mean that's what it was you know we would sit down with this huge grid paper i would draw out all these dungeons um and then what john and i would do there were just the two of us right so it was like i said it was pretty lame um, but Anderson's bookstore, it's a local bookstore that was down the street. It was like two blocks over from where we lived. And, um, we would go in there and they would have miniatures, you know, they'd have the little lead metal or pewter metal miniatures in there. Yeah, and I'm glad you, yeah, I'm glad you, and that was my, going to be my fault was what was that? What was that first hobby store? But that's exactly. Yeah. What it, was. <laughs> it was just a little bookstore that had like these, these awesome little 
miniatures in there, you know, like they, they came in these small rectangular yep. boxes, right? With, with yep, some... the, like the Ralph Parthas and yeah, the, right. the original Citadel. I think they were yeah, the original, original Citadel, Citadel right? I there. think, sadly, I don't, they're probably at my mom's house. And when my parents pass on to that glorious place um, that we all hope to be in someday, um, maybe I'll find those miniatures somewhere <laughs> in my parents' house. <laughs> um, but they're, I don't have them right now. But my, I was a paladin. So I had this amazing paladin miniature that I, I had a paper route and um, I got paid a buck 50 a week for delivering papers. You talk about slave labor, that's slave labor. <laughs> um, a buck 50 um, was what it was. And then I eventually got a, I got a raise to a buck 75. Boy, was I rich. And I, I, that's what I would scrimp and save. And you remember those original Citadel mentors, they weren't cheap. You would have nope. to save for months really to have enough money to, 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 to and they're not cheap today. So <laughs> go figure. Um, anyway, um, you know, the Paladin, that Paladin miniature, you know, once I got it, um, it was kind of like it stuck with me, right? And I painted it. I can't tell you how many times. I mean, if I found that thing today, it probably has like 12 layers of paint on it or something. <laughs> because I would just constantly repaint it and constantly repaint it. And then um, eventually, uh, I, I do remember my dad got this. Um, he, he doesn't know this. So, and good Lord willing, he'll never listen to this podcast. I'm looking, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it right now. Um, so there's a, uh, back when the Hobbit, um, the original Hobbit animated, the Ratchkin and Bass animated movie came out, they released a pewter set of these miniatures of the characters, um, from the Hobbit. And my parents, my dad had this up in the house. And when we would have our D and D sessions, we would steal Aragorn or we would steal Gimli and we would use those miniatures and that's sitting here in my hobby room now about maybe eight years ago my dad gifted me that collection and it's got all the main characters and i'll, I'll take a picture of it and tweet it out and, and uh mention the show so you, everyone can see what those are but we used those for a period of time you know um because we just didn't have what we needed but what i really loved doing was creating the dungeons i, I we would both kind of co dm um what we were doing and we had to you know, my parents were kind of at the time. Some people may or may not know this, but like back in those days, D and D was looked at this gateway to Satanism, right? And there were all this. It had a really poor reputation out there, and naturally, my parents kind of fell into that. You know, they were like skeptical and didn't really encourage it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we kind of had to make do with what we had. You know, um, we would we would get books when we could. We would try to find the rules and you know there was no internet so it was difficult so you kind of had to make up rules as we went along you know we would get maybe we'd get the monster book right um the the book that had the compendium of all the different beasts um you know because we'd go to anderson's bookstore and they might they might only have one D D book and we were just thirsting for knowledge and what we wanted to do and, and at, the, at the time we're in grade school you know so like we're like i mean this is early 80s when when we were starting this and um so we would buy whatever we could find. And of course, it, these were all like supplements, right, to the, to the bigger game. And we didn't really have the rules. So we kind of had to make it up as we, as we went along. And then we would, we would scrimp and save to get our polyhedral dice and, and kind of like, <laughs> you know, we'd be like, this is so mind-blowing, you know, 20-sided die. How cool is this? And we'd kind of <laughs> look at it as, as a, like, your, like the ring of power, right? My precious 20-sided die and, and all this crazy stuff. And uh, so that's that's kind of 
I, I rambled there. See, this is what I talked about in the pre-show to shut me up. <laughs> I'll just we'll keep just, talking. We'll just let you keep going. Man. Yeah. What, but uh, I, I, I liked doing the, de- like, I like designing the kind of the dungeons and stuff. And so as you, you know, um, that kind of fed into what we do with our events. You know, with the- I was, I was going to make that segue to Holy Wars, Holy Havoc and the, the tables and, and how mm-hmm. the, the, the board you play on becomes this world where, you know, stories unfold. And, and I think there's a cool corollary between uh, kind of what you've put together there. So let's, let's dive into, you know, kind of what, what was it that uh, you either saw in the hobby or didn't have, or made you mm-hmm. want to kind of start down that path towards those events. And then we'll talk a little bit about those events as well. Cause I, I think yeah. there's, a lot of material there. <laughs> yeah, so so there is. Um, uh, so I, you know, when I got the outline today, I started to think back to how we all start, how we started, and how it all kind of came to be. And um, what had happened? The the club had formed through my church. Um, I have a dear dear buddy of mine, family friend. We have we have sons that are about the same age, and that's how the Holy Hammers formed. Um, it started off as this small group, just, just me, my buddy, Pat Brock, his two boys, my two boys. And then it kind of grew from there. And, um, what essentially happened was we were playing, my boys and I were playing Warhammer fantasy and my buddy, Pat, his, his boys were interested in getting into some tabletop war gaming, but they didn't want to do anything sci-fi. They just wanted to do fantasy. So, you know, one day I'm here, I am bringing my Warhammer armies to the, parish hall at the church setting it up on a on a folding table showing these boys demonstrating for them like what it is okay this is how you wheel and this is how you move and you know and and you paint these things and so i was like giving a clinic right and they that kind of hooked them in so i guess i could have took a job at gw at that time um because i I hooked them into the plastic crack and then so so we formed this club right and so before the group came together the holy hammers before they came together the way my boys and I played the games, you know, you have the rule book, but what we would do is we would just throw every model we had on the table. Okay. So we never, we never did this thing called match play rules. We never did any of that. So what we would just do is just throw everything on the table and play. And then once we developed the crew, the Holy Hammers club, Pat turns to me one day and he says, Hey, we should do a tournament. You know, we were in the store, we were in the games workshop and they were talking about this tournament and they were talking about this thing called blood in the sun. And I was like, um, I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. Really? Do you really want to do this? And they're like, come on, it'll be a good time. It'll be a good time. I'm like, uh, I'm like, all right. So that was really our, our, that summer we went to blood in the sun. And then I met a bunch of guys. I met Lords of war. Okay. At blood in the sun. And, um, for some of you guys, some of your listeners would know some of the Lords of war. That's Patrick Brinlinson and, Sean Troy and Stephen Thompson and Zach Shelley and Walter Duncan. They're some of those guys. If you're in the scene, you know who I'm talking about. And um, we met them. And what was amazing was like for some, I guess it's like karma, right? So we're here at this event and we were at blood. The sun was using all of the, they were using green felt and the, and the terrain for Adepticon. Right. Um, And so we got this kind of an, we, we were in this kind of tournament field meeting these people. And when I say karma, let me go back to that. I lost my train of thought. Sorry about that. Um, we met the Lords of War and like we all played each other. Uh, I guess we all sucked. We were all just kind of playing each other. Right. So like 
suddenly here we are in this hall. There's probably about, I don't know, 80 to 100 guys in this hall in uh, at the Crown Plaza in, here in Illinois. Uh, I forget what suburb, but anyway, um, not germane to the story. Anyway, but here we are. The Holy Hammers are screaming across the hall at the Lord's War, and they're screaming back at us. And it was this great <laughs> bonding moment. And so it kind of like fueled my fire for events. And then I went to Invasion Kenosha. Um, and then that was a few months later. And I went to Invasion Kenosha. And that's where I met, um, who did I meet up there? Uh, Ytech, Dave Ytech, I met. Uh, well, I had met Dave at Blood in the Sun, but they, that was the event Dave Ytech won that year. He won that event with his death arm from Garage Hammer, Dave from Garage Hammer. I met Domus. Actually, that was the first time Domus and I ever played. Um, Domus and I had kind of met at, um, on social media, and, and then Domus and I met, and we were in the running for Best Painted, and, and it was this amazing thing because, like, you know, my army was recognized at bits, but it wasn't, and this was my wood elf army and it was recognized at bits, but it, it didn't make the cut right for, for the, you know, I won best wood elf. I have to say that that was awesome uh, <laughs> for first event. So I won best wood elf, but I didn't take home a hobby award and I really wanted to. And, and at the time I was competing against the likes of Johnny Hastings and some really top level, top level, level painters. And I wasn't there yet. You know, I just my skill. So I had some models that really stood out, but I just wasn't there quite there yet. You know, my hobby was definitely there, but my painting hadn't really matured yet. And so then, um, but at Invasion Kenosha, you know, I added a few bits here and there, and then it came down to Domus and I, and and um, <clears throat> I remember they decided they couldn't decide. The judges couldn't decide. So what they did was they had the. It was at this place called Rockheads in Kenosha. I think it was what it was called, comic book shop. And what was really cool was the the TO who ran it, and oh my gosh, I can't remember his name. The TO who ran it um, did this really awesome thing where he was like, he fed us, right? And then, which was like bizarre, right? He <laughs> gave us like food for lunch. And then he had the, the public, the general public came in. It was above a comic book store where we were playing. And the general public came in and they voted on who who would win Best Painted. And you know, Domus won Best Painted. I came in second, but then I won ha whole, uh, the Invasion Kenosha, which they called. I'm looking at it now. So this was Invasion Kenosha Five. I won the uh, the Golden Stein and the um, the Hobbyist Award, and it blew my mind. Right, so I, I came home from that event with the boys, and it was the first time my son Quinn had ever attended an event. And you know, I was just I was really motivated, and I had a good time. And at bits, and I'm rambling, so shut me up if I keep going on too long. Uh, perfect. When we were at bits, the Lords of War kept telling me, they're like, you got to come to Wapaka. You just, you have to come to Wapaka, Steve. You'll love it there. You just got to come to Wapaka, come to Wapaka. And then Domus is like, Paka, 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 Paka. I mean, I just wanted to like smack him across the face. Shut up. Let's play this game. Stop talking about Paka. But it was all Paka, Paka, Paka. So I was like, all right, what the hell? So that February, I signed up for Wapaka. So, like, you know, when I dive in, Ty, I dive in, right? So You're all I, in. I love yeah, it. it's like, you know, I did bits, I do Kenosha, and then suddenly I'm going to Wapaka. And for Wapaka, <clears throat> I got one of the other Holy Hammers to come with me, just one, and, and it was Nick, and Pat's oldest, or uh, no, uh, one of Pat's sons. And um, so Nick, Nick and I went up there, and then, you know, Nick and I were checking out the tables, and we were like, wow, this is really cool. These are like our tables back at the club my in my basement, right? And that's where it's the Holy Hammer HQ. It's here. I've got all these cool tables. And I'm like, wow, 
you know, this is unusual, like to see this, you know, like they had some cool theme terrain at Invasion Kenosha. And then, you know, at bits you had the Adepticon terrain. So, you know, some theme tables here and there. And, but at Wapaka, it was like a different level, right? Where Golki, you know, the bear, he, he did some really awesome things. And then I was, we were playing our games and everything. And, and I was playing on some of the, probably the not so cool tables that at, at Wapaka, you know, and you guys know you've been there. Some of the tables are really slick. And then there's some others that are kind of, you know, maybe beat up or just not as, not as cool. Right. Well, it was like day one. And then it was last game day one. I was playing against Jake Murphy on the Slanesh table and, and, and uh, Raj and, and uh, I would imagine it was Raj. Uh, they had special rules on this table. And so I was like, holy cow, this is just like at home. I was like, this is, this is really cool. You know, they're, they're kind of breaking it a little bit. And I was like, all right, that's pretty cool. And so that was an amazing experience. That year of gaming was, and hobby was amazing. I mean, I met lifelong friends, friends that I'll never forget, you know, um, and the Lords of War were amazing. I, at Wapaka, I met Zach Shelley. And at the time I played Skaven. Okay. And this is Warhammer Fantasy, okay? So everybody knows in Warhammer Fantasy days, you had these stupid-ass movement trays, right? <laughs> and then, so you had to get everything into this silly rectangular square, right? And then with Skaven, if you didn't have them numbered and assigned to an exact position, they wouldn't fit in the damn movement tray, right? <laughs> Especially the Storm Vermin. So who was the last guy to leave the hall after every game? That would be me, right? And and so what Zach Shelley did at the time, the, the Wapaka was ha- was held at the Ale House, and so you know it's that small restaurant. There's not a lot of seating. Every single game, no matter how long it took me to rank up those damn rats, Zach had saved me a spot, and they ordered me food, and I was just so blown away at his generosity and his kindness. And we developed a friendship, and 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 Sean and Steven and Patrick. And it was just amazing. I, I absolutely have love in my heart for those guys. And it was an amazing experience. And I was so looking forward to coming back to Wapaka. Well, fast forward, a year goes by, I sign up for Wapaka and then we had a family situation come up. I couldn't, I couldn't attend. Right. So then I'm like, ah, that sucks. So I'm going to do it the next year. I'm going to do it the next year. And so, um, Wapaka started to take off and started to turn into this kind of like um Johnny and Raj through their podcast got some UK guys to come over and then that was the year that Raj decided to have it be uh, kind of a regional sign up I don't know if you guys were going to Wapaka when that happened but essentially what happened was that they were only taking x amount of players from x amount something to that effect okay if, to expedite the story the guys I w- that I was going to Wapaka to see the Lords of War they they weren't they didn't get in. Uh, you know, I got in and I was like, ah, oh, damn, you guys, the whole reason I was, the main reason I was going had nothing to do with the game. Okay. Yeah. Just had, who, it, who you're going to hang out with. I uh, wanted to see my friends. Yep. And then, so then I was like, well, that sucks. So I thought to myself, they weren't going to be there. And that was the main reason I was going to drive up to Wapaka was to see those guys. And so then, um, you know, I was sitting there thinking about it and I'm like, well, you know, maybe I won't go. You know, and uh, maybe that weekend, what I'll do is I'll invite the Lords of War down, and maybe they maybe they come down here and we we do an event or something, and here at the house, and um, and then it turned into this idea where I suddenly text Zach Shelley, I said, "Hey man, if the Holy Hammers were to create an event, do you think I could get people to come?" 
And then Zach was like, well, <laughs> yeah. And then he, and then, and then suddenly he's texting a bunch of the Lords of War saying, Hey, would you guys go to an event? And they're all like, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And then I was like, wow. I'm like, all right, well, maybe we could do this. And so then I, I decided to, um, then I approached the club, you know, I said to the guys, I said, Hey, you know, what do you think? And they were like, well, what's your idea for this? You know, like Adepticon, they are bits. They use the Adepticon terrain. Could we use the Adepticon terrain? Do you think you can talk to, I was pretty close with Chris Yu at the time. He's like, you know, Alex and I weren't really as close as we are today. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I can talk to Alex. Maybe I could talk to Grant, Grant Fetter who ran bits and maybe we could work something out. I don't know. And I, and then I said to the guys, I'm like, but you know, I said, our <laughs> tables are just as good. And some of them are even better than the ones at Wapaka. What if we just, you know, maybe we just do what we would want. And then, you know, I remember, I remember <laughs> Pat, Pat kind of saying to me, he's like, he's like, you mean what you want, not what we <laughs> want. And I'm kind of like, well, yeah, I guess. And so then that's where it all kind of started. And then I reached out to Raj um at paca and i asked him for some advice you know i reached out to a few tos i reached out to grant i reached out to to um uh, to to raj but raj gave me the best piece of advice and he said run the event that you would want to attend and i said okay and he goes don't worry about what it is just do what you really want to do and that kind of that was the that was kind of the the green light that kind of said to me all right, yeah, let's do this. Let's see what we can do. Now, now at the time, this was fantasy, right? This was not, the, the event was built around Warhammer 8th edition, um, not, you know, Age of Sigmar. And well, I just started designing from there. You know, I, I, we, had, we had every, every army book, and I started to glean, glean through all the fluff and started to look at maps. And that's what one of the one things I do miss the most, which I know that their GW is doing a good job of starting to bring some of that back. But those maps created that rich environment of the old world that were in each of those army books. And you got to see the different regional areas of like maybe the ogres and the Mach and where the Great Maw is and then the, the Wood Elves and the Bretonians and all these wonderful things. And so I just started to pull from there and I thought, how cool would it be if we created tables that were designed around each army? And that's how it started. So that was our, my first step. And then, then it got into, um, at the time for our first event, we didn't have, um, well, Tim and Tanya, I think came on, Tim Cornstubble and Tanya Shibi came on later. Um, I can't remember if they came on for the first, I think they might've been there for the first event. I think they may have been. Yeah, I think they were. Sorry about my timeline. Sorry, Tanya. And <laughs> um, anyway, um, what I wanted to do was to add in all those special rules that we would do at the club. So part of my D and D experience was to add flavor and narrative to what we were doing. So we would never just play battle line right out of the book. There would always be something special. You had to get, you know, you had to get X or you had to take this hero had to get over here on the board to get this treasure and then get back. Um, and we would always do stuff like that. Me and my boys, like when we would do Lord of the Rings, we would, we would have Gilgalad surrounded. And one of the epic stories we talk about in this massive Lord of the Rings battle is how this lonely little goblin just shot his arrow from the tower and killed the mighty Gilgalad and changing the whole line of like <laughs> everything that happens in middle earth. And so, you know, I wanted to bring that kind of flavor to, 
to the event. But one of the things that were was a challenge was trying to see how we could fit that all in. And I feel like I am rambling. So it, is that, it's all good. This it's all good. This it's is, all good. So I'm going to say that a lot. And so Troy, feel free, or Craig, feel free to edit that rambling. Uh, I'm probably going to say that a lot. Josh, you can put um, a little counter like War Cry Night. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, so the so that's the the inspiration really kind of it came. It was twofold. Ty, you know, it started with taking what we do here at the club, right, and then applying that to or giving that to the community and then watching how the events were run and seeing how the events were run in that short period of time and then you know reaching out and talking to people and seeing that it was okay to to run events that weren't just you know vanilla from the not vanilla is the wrong word to take event to, to to run an event which is just using what gw at that time was providing you right mm-hmm. And so we wanted to do something special and a little different. And we came up with the concept because a lot of the special rules I would create was I'd be like, okay, in turn bottom of after turn two, there'd be a massive earthquake. And we'd be at the time, mortal wounds didn't exist. Right. Cause this was Warhammer fantasy. And so we were just like, okay, you're going to roll D six and that's how many guys die. And you know, it's the earthquake and they're getting sucked in and you would just, these random events would be happening during our games. And we wanted to bring that to the tournament scene. I have to admit there was a lot of discussion internally. Um, at the time we were having club days where we'd have some people from Twisted Troop over. We would do, I would host a thing called 24 hours of gaming here at the club where for basically like for 24 hours straight, the door would be open and people could just come in and game and, 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 and just play. And we would just have these awesome battles. And uh, you know, some of the troopers, Nickel, for example, Ryan, he, he gave me some feedback on, on my player's pack, and he said he wasn't going to attend because of something we were doing. It had something to do with army comp and composition votes because that was a real popular thing back then. So we got, you know, the, the key to, to kind of creating the event was to get a lot of feedback from a lot of different people, the competitive player versus the narrative player. Um, and then there was a lot of internal um, angst on my part because I, I wanted, as you guys know, you've been to my events. I want to make sure everybody's happy and having a good time. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I designed the event in what we thought was the best way. And, and then we kicked off the event with six games instead of five. So the first, first holy event, we did six games of Warhammer instead of five. We did kind of a European UK thing. Um, and that drained some players. (laughs) (laughs) So so, long, long days. yeah. Yeah. A long day's work. So we, we, you know, we had some, we had some, um, glitches and we learned a lot in our first event um and then we i I believe our first event also was end times it was end times so you had this situation happening in the community within the community if you guys all remember the i don't know if you were playing the game or not but during the end times you had some really kind of crazy stuff going on with rules and archeon and all these different characters and the things that were going on in the game and the way we had our rules set up was like just bring what you want i mean we weren't there was a lot of army comp, right? Like you can't bring X, you know, you're limited to this or you, you can't bring this, but we didn't do that because we knew that our terrain, our tables would kill Archeon or kill, um, mm-hmm. or what was his name? Not Arche- uh, who's the big, uh, the dark, uh, no, it was Mal- no, at that time, Malekith. Yeah. Malekith. Right. 
Isn't that, yeah. wasn't his name? Yeah. Malekith and Marath? Dark right, Elf. it was Malekith. Yeah. yeah, the Dark Elf dude. Remember what a badass he was during the end times? Do you guys remember this? Or am I too old? Am I, is this beyond, before you were in the, does anybody remember? Before us. I've heard uh, this before you. Stuff. Okay. Anyway, so he died like multiple times and it was great. You know, like we were, we were charting how often he would die because at other <laughs> events, he would just, he was just staying alive and, and everybody, of course, the nerds, right? Everyone's like, he's broken, he's broken. <laughs> Everyone's complaining. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the Holy Wars, the tables are killing him. And then and, and there was this one thing that happens where, where at, you know, in Holy Wars 1, Pat was, Patrick Brimlinson was running some giants and his giant tripped while running on the um, across the necrotic ooze of the Nurgle table. And he died. And he's like, my giant couldn't step over this little creek. And, you know, because like, it was like, that was the rule, right? If you rolled a one, you die. You're moving across it, the model just dies. It didn't matter. And his, his massive giant just died. And, and Pat, Pat loved it and laughed his butt off at it. And that was, the, that was when we knew we kind of had something going. Um, was when the, when the, the, the majority of the players there were enjoying what was happening. Oh my gosh! Let's stop me from talking. No, so so <laughs> I I think that's that's cool to hear where it came from because like um, when Bryce, I, I think Bryce, it was your accounting of it that kind of you know you you went early on, and I don't know Bryce if you want to talk about kind of your first encounter with the tables and the terrain. Um, I I can't recall if we've ever had that discussion on on air, but I I know hearing your retelling is is always great too. Yeah, so I I um was the first one to go, and I, I Steve and I met at um, well Paca just before the Holy Wars because Paca was always that first week of February, and Holy Wars was it's always right in the middle of March, right, Steve? Uh, no, actually, it's Paca's in January. It was in January, Pro Bowl weekend, and then That's we right. were, were in February, and yep. then you have March was Adepticon yep. at the time until they made me before. lose my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I met Steve at PACA and he, he said to sign up and there, I think there was like five people on the wait list and Steve's, Steve's comment is everyone on the wait list gets in and it, I didn't believe him, but I got in sure enough. Um, yeah, and it was actually yeah. kind of cool. Cause the only, I mean, I'd met some of the people here and there in passing, but this was very early in my time going to tournaments. So I didn't really know anyone other than right. the time I spent with Steve and, and a little bit of time with Domus. Um, and I, I met David Griffin and Anthony Picastro there. They came up from Nashville and Vince and Tom and and all the Lords of War guys. But the first time I met Patrick and it, it just felt like a weekend with family and it was people yeah. I'd never met. And that was that was super cool. But the, the tables themselves, um, I, I remember seeing the pictures on the internet and thinking like, what is <laughs> this? This isn't like the table you actually play on, right? And and it just was truly mind blowing. And yeah. the, the coolest thing is, it's kind of what you said with, with Patrick and his giant is once you embrace what, what Holy Wars is. And, and to me, it's, you know, just an event to have fun with your friends and play some somewhat narrative. <laughs> some yeah. people bring a lot of filth, um, but mm -hmm. the the crazy things that can happen and the stories that you can take home from from the interaction with the tables and the you know, opponents and there's so many different objectives and things to do that every game there's a story being told and I think that makes it super cool and super memorable. Like I've been to four now and I can remember every game that I played at every one That's of awesome. them. And That's awesome. It, it's just cool. It's an experience you don't get. You know, if you go to Adepticon, you play five games, and 
you barely remember the games at the end of the weekend because it was just this grind and so much right. noise and all this stuff. But you're in a, a, a smaller room with people that are tons of fun and having a good time. And it, it's just super cool to have the stories to tell with the games you play and not just who won or lost. Right. So that's awesome that you say that. I, I, I One thing that pops out to me, Bryce, was he's talked about like the filth and, and I'd like to address that a little bit. Um, and how we lost control of the event um, due to the community um, that was attending the event. So one of the, the interesting things that is that has ha- that has happened, and you've been to four of our events, Bryce. So you've probably seen kind of like a, uh, the what I call the re-evolution or um, us taking back the event, us being the holy hammers taking back the event and making the tables a little bit more punchy. Um, mm-hmm. one of the things that, that I had, the trap I had fallen into was I forgot our code, our creed for the holy events. And I was worried about those competitive, those competitive players and more like making it more of a competitive event as opposed to what it was fundamentally. And I started to take feedback and listen and went against my best, my better judgment. And so I had to take back what was the event. Um, and Lost a few players along the way, um, a few attendees along the way because of those decisions, but I think we're better off for it. So, I I think having not been there for some of the the filthier moments that we are better off for it because you know to to Bryce's point, like when I think of my five years now of AOS and you know four of those relatively competitive, um, you know Holy Wars was the really the first time that I approached an event outside of like a competitive mindset mm-hmm. and kind of stepped up, you know, telling a story, finding a cool way to, to get your army to, um, you know, to, to look and have its own personality on a table. And like, that's what the event symbolized for me. It was this, this new goal. And then like the people and the, just the sense of community that is there is, is incredible too. So, I mean that it was like, kind of taking a different approach to a game that had started to feel a little bit like not a game anymore in some of those adaptive tournament settings. And it it made it a little more personal, a little more different type of investment. And that's what was really cool about my, my first time going there. And well, we were, I was, I was really thrilled that you were there. I remember us talking at Adapticon and you know, we, we, I rock up to this table and I think we were either game two or three. I don't, I don't remember Ty, but, um, or even if we were on day, maybe we were on day two, who knows, like Bryce to Bryce's point, they all kind of blur together. But <laughs> yep. I do, I do remember our game and how chill our game was. And that game was very much like what, you know, it's like I try to approach my games at, even at my competitive, the competitive events I attend, I try to approach it like holy, like I'm not there to, to podium. You know, like for me, I get more enjoyment from just playing, rolling dice, meeting new people. I, I mean, I'd love to podium with my with the artistic part of it, you know, with my hobby. But like, as far as gameplay is concerned, yeah, no. I mean, I I, I kind of lived that when I was playing Skaven back during Warhammer Fantasy days, and then I qualified for the Masters because I had a top ten, I think it was a top ten finish at Wapaka, and uh, so it was uber competitive and. Yeah, that wasn't where I wanted to be. So, 
I remember telling you that day at, at Depticon, like, yeah, the, the holy events, you should come, you should check it out. Cause we just had that kind of chill game, right? We were just really having a good time, yeah. just rolling dice, telling stories. And, and, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm going to kill that necromancer. And I couldn't kill him. And you know, like, yeah, once you take him down, then the whole army crumbles. And I just, I fo- kept focusing, but he just wouldn't die. Um, but you know, I mean, it was still a good game though. I still loved it. So still. I would have hated to see you when you were competitive, Steve. I mean, we, back in your friendly <laughs> days, you smashed one of my models in the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't imagine back then. That Phoenix deserved it, right? <laughs> you with your really zigzag flying crap. Well, I'm gonna zigzag. I'm gonna zig this way, and now I'm gonna zig back. And you're bending your tape measure over my hunter, so you could like burn them like three times. And I'm like, yeah, all right, all right, you son of a son of a gun. Yeah, that's the way you want to play. Okay, but you know, we had already known each other from PACA because we were teammates. So, yeah, yeah. You know, at PACA for the random team tournament, and uh, and so I liked you. So imagine what I would have happened with that Phoenix if I didn't like you. Yeah, jeez. Uh, you know, instead of just snapping it off its base, maybe it would have like <laughs> flew across the hall. Who knows? Far more than replacing yeah. a flight stand. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> um before before we get, you know, further into Holy Wars, any anything else about the community? We've talked about some of the guys that show up where it is now uh, josh or troy any questions i mean having not done a holy event yet which we need the change and bryce and i are on a, a mission when events return to get you guys to one of these but um any anything from you guys can you talk about how it went from one holy event to two or when did that happen or oh yeah <laughs> all right good question um yeah how did it go from one to two i'll never forget when i told the crew i was going to do a second event i thought it was <laughs> i can tell you they thought i was crazy um okay so it's it's a, all right so here's what happened so i went to my last warhammer fantasy event was north star um, and so that was an event that was held up in was up in minnesota and they were known for their tables as well and um you know the so Tanya and I, we, from the Holy Hammers, we went up to that event and it was, like I said, the last Warhammer fantasy event and it was held in November. Okay. And so, and what we tried to do when we, when we, when we created, when I created Holy Wars, I, finding a date is really tough. Right. And even during that time, it was tough because there were a lot of events you wanted to try to fit in somewhere where people could go. You were, you're kind of competing, right? So we were, we were slotted into February. We're competing. We're bookended by Wapaka and by Adepticon. And it was just a crappy month. It was just like, oh, this sucks. But the whole reason for doing it was like, okay, look, if, we, if PACA fails, like if we fail to get into PACA, we have a backup plan with Holy Wars. So it was kind of like one of these things because the, the genesis of it was the reason we chose February was because none of my buddies got into Wapaka that year. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, and then February getting in a vent hall here in the Chicagoland area is, you know, cheap and easy in February, right? There's not a lot of weddings going on. There's not a lot of parties going on and stuff. So it just seemed to fit, but the, it was like our Achilles heel was being between, is being between PACA and Adepticon. And Remind me to go back to the how the how Adepticon kind of influenced some of that competitive gaming inside of the Holy Holy Wars. So then, when North Star ended, 
I was like, we got to grab November. Right. And so I was like, maybe we should just do, you know, let's do, I, I don't remember my time frame in years, but I thought to myself, okay, well, what if we just do the following year's Holy Wars a little early? So like, we'll do Holy Wars one and then Holy Wars two. And then we talked amongst the Holy Wars council and we said, well, what if we ran a team event? And I always preferred the team events. Um, for me, the team event has always been my favorite event to go to. And so it's the only one that I really ever, I've only played in one Adepticon championship. Um, I've always, I, when I go to Adepticon, I always run either, I either do the smaller events, like the thousand point, you know, uh, Vanguard event, and then the team event or, or nothing. So like, that's always been my, my favorite way to play is the team event. And so we talked and we said, all right, let's grab November and we'll do, what are we going to do? And then I think, um, you know, we were talking about names. Bell actually coined the name, um, Holy Havoc. And um, Vargas coined our phrase at the time, which was from Shakespeare, let's slip the dogs of war, cry havoc. He was going to have it. We He originally said, call it cry havoc. And then Bell's like, no way, call it Holy Havoc. And she was right. <laughs> Good call on her point. And um, so then I'm like, all right, we'll grab November. <clears throat> now, Troy, you said like the why. So now that's the noble reason that we started in November, right? <laughs> <laughs> when I needed to recoup my money, like the money I invested in the event was a lot of money, like in order to build all the tables to, cause I built everything from scratch within a short period of time, less than six months. Right. I'm building all these tables. I'm buying all this terrain. I'm, I'm crafting things. I'm, I'm investing and I'm learning. And I spent five figures to launch the event. And I knew that going in that I was going to lose money the first few years and I wasn't going to make it back. The problem was we were locked into this hall that I could only put 15 tables in and I couldn't get enough player capacity to make up the money in enough time. So the selfish side of it, it was to launch a second event so that I could break, start breaking even because I was losing money. And there was just no way I could continue to do the event at the hall that I was in at the time. And so by doing two events, I could recoup my funds a little quicker because, you know, quite honestly, I had to finance some of it. I didn't have that kind of, I didn't have that level of disposable income with boys going, getting ready to go to college and to do all this stuff to launch this event and then to just basically do it on my own. I didn't really get a lot of, I didn't get any financial contribution from anybody else except for Vargas and he got paid back. So I made sure I paid him back before anybody else. And um, Vargas for this latest bill, you will be getting paid. And that's for our, <laughs> our website thing. So once we kick off the next event, he has to be reimbursed out of the funds. But that was the selfish reason, Troy, you know, like I had to, and then the other thing was like original, the original plan was to move Holy Wars. But then when I started to run the numbers, I'm like, yeah, let's kick off another event. And it turned into Holy Havoc. So with, with Holy Havoc and the, the team event, um, I know, you know, kind of there's that, uh, that warlord where you're how mm -hmm. long has that been has that always been a part of havoc or is that a, a recent addition i want to talk nah. a little bit about some of the rules that make you know some of these events just we've talked a little bit about terrain rules and some of the uh -huh. what are now holy wounds but i think mm -hmm. the the warlord of havoc and that concept of a hero growing through a you know through a five game let's call it a campaign because yep. that's what it really feels like right um you want to talk a little bit about the the genesis of that and kind of sure. when that came into play well, we started to do a club game here. Um, really, I would say the Warlord of Havoc was the genesis of the Warlord of Havoc came from what we did here at the club when we would do campaigns. 
we would do these narrative campaigns here at the club where you'd have like a hero and then you'd name him and then he or she would 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 gradually um you know level up right and so when we talked about the team event we were trying to figure out a way that it could be unique and um we that's when we said all right let's bring the warlord of havoc in like what we've been doing with our campaign and at the time at the club we had we had some some we were doing that, you know, we were building these guys and through um, these narrative campaigns that we were doing uh, uh, call to glory. Um, and so that's where we, that's where the Genesis came from was to bring that and bring it into the community as well. Uh, Tim Cornstubble and I and John Ellis um, were the, the, the three headed monster really of trying to figure it out that first year, what we wanted to do. Now, the first year, I don't know if any of you, Bryce or I know Ty, you weren't there, but Bryce, were you there for the first year of Havoc? I year two was my first one. So year two. Okay, so like the year one, the Warlord of Havoc was just a beat stick. Like, I mean, insane. <laughs> like way more insane than he already is. Like, <laughs> that, that dude, you could have this little guy on a 25 millimeter just like taking down a Maw Crusher with no problem. Just like one shotting him off the board. And we did that purposefully, though. You know, what we did, our events were designed, the tables, okay, so we're, we're the events where the tables play, right? So the tables were designed as, a, as an element to neuter the power, right? So, oh, you want to bring Archeon? Oh, you want to bring Nagash? Great. But guess what? They might die from the tables. You know, it's cool. You can bring them. No problem. But if you don't have the bodies, you might lose the game, right? You 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 might want to invest all those points in the gosh or all those points in a, in in you know Archeon. But if you don't have the bodies, the shifting monolith might run through your whole army and decimate it, right? And then you're then you're just shit out of luck. And and so the concept for the warlord was that I didn't want to put restrictions on things, right? So the concept with Havoc was this idea that the warlord. If you're going to run up against the double Nurgle list, you shouldn't feel like you're going to lose because they're going to get double the double the bon- the bonus, right? Or if you were running up against a, a double, you know, pick your poisons each, right? And you're like, oh my god, think about the, about the magic in that situation, right? And the destiny dice and this whole thing, and each player getting destiny dice—that's totally broken. Blah blah blah. Yeah, that's fine, but your warlord might be able to kill that that you know that the, the Lord of Change, and 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 one shot him off the board. So that's how we designed him that first year. And I remember I was outside getting some air and you guys remember we were in that smaller place and, um, you know, I was talking to Braska and Braska, I, Chris Braska, and I asked him, I'm like, you having a good time? And he's like, oh yeah, I love it. He goes, just wish I could play with my toys. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's just like, well, he goes, you know, the warlord's great now, but I mean, dude, just like, he's a beat stick. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, all right. So then we went back to the drawing board, but, he originated from that was a long way of me saying he originated from our internal campaign game called Call of the Glory. I should be more direct in my answers for you. <laughs> no, no. way more flavor I, this way, yes. Steve. Okay, all right, cool. Like Continue. Then, uh, what's that old? Remember VH1 had that storytellers where the bands would like play their oh, song. Oh yeah, right. Okay, cool. That's, this is like the storytellers so, edition of. Yeah. All right, the, the it works. Events. I'll I take that as a compliment. Love that show. All right, good. All right. Does that so? So that's where he started. That's how how he came along. And then as the years progressed, I started to reach out to the community for feedback. And uh, Tom and Vince were awesome. You know, we had some attrition here within the club. Uh, so a lot of my club members moved. Um, 
Kyle Kyle Frank, who was a member of the Holy Holy Wars. He 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 was uh, definitely a high level contributor early days of Holy Holy uh, Holy Wars and uh, the shift the designing of the shifting sands and how we played that and designed it. Kyle contributed greatly to that concept. And then, um, but like we lost a lot of people on the council. And uh, when Tom and Vince came on board, I would float ideas to them. They're kind of like, um, I would say outside consultants um, at this point. They're not truly council members, um, but they've they've given me a lot of uh, feedback positively and helped to help craft. And they've been really great and instrumental in allowing me to kind of push things and they they kind of tell me when I go too far like so so like <laughs> if I like one of the big things that the the feedback the one thing that I try to avoid is for, force multipliers and you know inadvertent force force multiplying um abilities to the warlord like when the warlord when we and I might be jumping ahead here time feel free to 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 redirect but like when we started to put on the stickers onto the war scroll mm-hmm. um for those of you who don't know, <clears throat> we design a special war scroll. And with that war scroll, it has all of the stats. And then there's a space beneath it. It's, a, it's in your player's pack. And there's a space for you to take stickers. You get to upgrade. And so there are different abilities, right? You can choose to become a priest, but then you can't become a wizard or, and so on and so forth. And I had, in one of the years, I had a, it was either a prayer or a, a spell that like was, it was insane. It like, buffed you to like insane levels and tom talked me off of that and it it had remained on the scroll for a long time right so like when i get closer and closer and closer to releasing the scroll to the public and that was the other thing i i we started to do with war with havoc was to start because we started to layer on all these additional rule sets i could see players heads starting to explode at the event like oh my god there's so much bookkeeping and freaking out and i'm like come on you guys are nerds what the hell you should be enjoying this um and so then we we were like okay so like what i would i started to do was i used to send it out to you guys right and i would send it out a few weeks in advance i'd say okay look here there you go now you can plan mm-hmm. and i would right up to the very end you know i'd be like all right we're keeping this prayer we're keeping the spell and then tom would be like you know if you do this this is what's gonna happen and then so he was you know they've been great and instrumental in helping me to maintain the vision um and then um I remember, um, I believe it was Tom who helped solidify the vision for Holy Wounds, um, for example. And, um, you know, my tables were dishing out all this damage and all this damage and everything. And we were having a conversation. He's like, you know, it would be kind of cool if you couldn't, you, 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 you couldn't save those. And I was like, hmm, it would be kind of cool. So that, that I think is what helps Ty to, to, to make it, help us to make informed decisions is to understand that nobody on the council, even me, even though I get a lot of the credit because I'm the face, of, I guess, of the organization is what Vargas says. But <laughs> it's, it's really a community effort to make the event what it is. And it truly is because I take the feedback and I listen to what the players are telling me. And like at Holy Wars this year, I don't think – Bryce, were you there? Yep. At the new, you were at the new space. It's great. So at Holy Wars, the new table – oh, that's right. You – you were you played I, on I the, christened the new table yeah, the yeah and you yeah. and you both you guys both broke the rule which is great um yeah, yeah right so so that was an imperfect point right bryce so like i came up to you i, I asked you guys what you're doing I'm like yeah our, both our avatars started fighting each other immediately 
They're like, you bastards. Like, I'm like, cause like the thing is when we're, when we play, so like when we set this up, like when I come up with that concept, I had these avatars, right? These great stone avatars, which are uh, dragon ogres, right? And the concept was that the scenario was built around, you know, most, I, I don't remember exactly, but it was most wounds, right? With the avatar. So yeah. logic would dictate that you would say, okay, well, if I kill the other guy's avatar, I'm going to auto win this scenario. And, you know, I'm a narrative guy. So I'm like, all right, you know, they won't be jerks about it. They'll, you know, you know, and then sure enough, there's, who are you playing, Bryce? Do you remember? Chris, yeah, Chris. Oh, of course. Chris. No, Kyle, 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 Kyle. Oh, it's Kyle. Okay. So yeah. So, so you guys rock up against each other and then immediately you're like, okay, yeah, let's just fight these off and then we can move on. And it's like, <laughs> so like, even though you guys embrace the narrative, you break the narrative too. So then so immediately, so that happens. That's game one, right? Of this great new table I designed with these great new rules and this ice and this whole thing and, and these avatars that are added to your army that do all this great stuff. So immediately I had to come up with the twins. So there are these twin brothers that cannot attack each other. So that's the new rule on that table. So now there's a whole thing that the brothers shall not betray each other. So now, um, yeah. But, but the key to that, the reason I bring that up, is the willingness to understand that I can't see everything, you know? And I can tell you this, that, you know, as much, you know, like the, the playtesters and the GW rules designers, they get a lot of criticism. And just designing my little silly event, I can, I totally sympathize with those people because you just don't see it all. You just can't possibly see all the different combinations and what might happen. Now, I should know better that you guys are going to try to, you know, break my scenarios <laughs> and to, to, for your competitive advantage. But I always... Yeah, I just think you guys are, you know, there for the right purpose, but you know, oh, Bryce is a competitive monster. <laughs> oh, I know, he is. I know he is. He is, that, he is always looking for a four-one-five-zero finish. Of course, of course. That actually get, leads to a really good question because Ty and I actually got to experience a table before rules were refined with the with the sewer table when you had it where oh, you yep. could just come out of the sewers and be three yep. inches away into combat. Yep. What's the what's the craziest rule that's ever made it through or almost made it through? <sighs> well, that one's pretty crazy when you can have a mock crusher squeeze himself. <laughs> Not into just a mock crusher, Steve. Their entire <laughs> army. <laughs> yeah, the entire army too. Right? They could just kind of like pop out. Uh, that's probably that's probably one of them. The other one was Azir. Um, one of the things that happened on the Azir table um, when you're fighting in the heavens, um, um, that's the uh, floating islands table. Um, the glittering, it was called, oh, what was it called? The glittering landscape. Um, so I had painted up the table, like when the light hits it, if you move, you can see there's like kind of a shimmer. So like inside the table on all the grass and everything, like uh, what I did was I used ear, um, iridescent uh, medium and I dry brushed it over the whole table. So it has kind of a glistening effect to give it the idea that you're like in the heavens. Right. And so the concept would be that it would be like a minus one to shooting. Right. Well, needless to say, I didn't think about Nurgle at the time. Nurgle was ascendant that year with the minus one to shooting. Right. So you're looking at basically minus two to shooting. So some armies you were really, that really affected some, some play experiences. Um, that was a big problem. Um, Let's see. The teleporting table of um, <clears throat> the Shifting Sands um, had a similar problem where you could teleport right into a combat, um, which I was always okay with. It never really truly bothered me. Um, I was just kind of like, all right, whatever. You know, fight. You know, roll your dice. Have fun. <laughs> um, so it didn't really bother me. 
Um, the Nurgle table, one of the things that happened with the Nurgle table year one was it was about killing the first to, you know, it was killing the worm, right? The worms. And we had it, I think it had like 60 wounds on it. Some crazy number of wounds that we thought would be fine. We didn't anticipate the players saying, okay, let's just put all our rain shots into it and then we'll play the game. And we were like, oh my God, really? (laughs) I'm like, okay. So that we had to change that. Although there's been a lot of there's been a lot of desire from a lot of people to get back to the concept of killing the worm. Um the arachnorock, uh that's the spider. Um that one was a bit of a bear for for a while. Um one of the rules that slipped in and it wasn't at holy no, it wasn't at holy wars this year. It was at holy havoc in twenty nineteen. There was a typo where it was only one mortal wound when it was supposed to be like eight or six or something like that. It was just, it, there was a typo on the map. And so that, that was a bummer. Um, I think those are more disheartening than when you see something like a whole army teleport through a sewer. Um, (laughs) More when you, when you see, when you see that you like screwed up and then you're like, ah, shit. And then, and then I had to learn one year. One of the things that happened was I started to make adjustments on the fly and that was a big mistake that year because then you had you had players who would play on the Seraphon table, right, teleporting up the waterfall. And then I'd be like, oh, that's not how this is supposed to work. Oh, here, play it like this. And then, and then you know, so I inadvertently I may have, like, changed the winner of the event by doing stuff like that. But who knows? Um, you know, whatever. T.O.'s prerogative, right? A woman yeah. can change her mind. A T.O. can change his mind. So, um, yeah, so... I probably could go on about those. Um, <laughs> I think the verbiage is really the big thing too, Bryce. Like it's not necessarily the rules, but sometimes it's like when players read more into it, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, um, or they're not, that was one of the things we also had to really work on was cleaning up the language. Right. Um, trying to make it as crystal clear as possible. Um, and well, then, then Tom Lyons is a great person to have on that because he, he is, he is, he, um, he is the, uh, uh, perhaps the, the most vocal of any in finding the, the letter of the law and any rule yeah. that, is, uh, that comes out until the year that we wanted him to proof it. He told me everything was okay. And then that whole year he wasn't at the event, but we all blamed Tom. We said Tom <laughs> yeah. the whole, the whole, like the whole hall was yell Every time there was some announce a change, we'd all say Tom's fault. Let's enjoy that. Um, but yeah, so I, I think the other one that comes to mind, Bryce is the, is really is the um, Bugmans in the mountains. Um, there were unintended consequences to the mountains. Um, you know, we, we used to have a rule early on in the development of those rules for the mountains was this concept of like deploying inside the mountain and then navigating your way out the other side. And that created a lot of complexities that from a competitive, like as a narrative guy, you're, you're not, I'm not really thinking about how a Brendan Malik might break that. Right. Or like, (laughs) you know, or 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 even you, Bryce, like how you would break oh, that, please. right? So it's like, you know, I'm dead serious. And so it was like, oh my gosh. And the whole concept is like for you to drink beer and get drunk. And not necessarily, <laughs> that's the scenario for those listening that don't know, like you, you, you're trying to drink Bugman's brew. That's a thing, that's a relic from the old world. 
And there's this concept where you develop your models, your minis develop beer muscles, right? And then they're fighting and they're getting either stronger or weaker or whatever. And they're taking holy wounds and this whole thing. And so like you, you want to add the, the flavor of our event is that these special terrain pieces have special rules, right? They're not just like gleaned right from the book. So with the mountains, we had this really cool idea that you'd be like, in my head, I'm imagining going through the mines of Moria, right? And you're trying to navigate your way and come out the other side. And um, that got a little crazy when somebody would like deploy everything in the mountain and then just <laughs> pop out on their opponent's side. And there was no reason <laughs> at that time. You could just, there were no within, you know, uh, you know, nine inches away. So you just had models popping out all over. And then it was, a, that table was a real challenge during the fantasy days when you had movement trays, you know, and that, all our tables were, I mean, we yeah, had players, I bet. there's pictures of our models, like, you know, like the little dice cubes, right? So like there's pictures of our tables, excuse me, not the models, but tables where like movement trays are being balanced on top of some of the rock crags with like a dice cube <laughs> underneath of it to represent, you know, and the players would yell like, Herner, we love your tables, but oh my gosh, man, they're so difficult to navigate and, and <laughs> stuff like that. So it was like, oh, it's like, okay, guys. Um, all right. Okay, suck it up. <laughs> Nerds. With, with kind of the, you know, talking about the new tables, um, what, any, any plans for like future, future tables or anything? Are you kind of on hold until we figure out, you know, what, what and when we can gather again and, and play or? yeah well yeah we are we are kind of well, i am definitely on hold um this has been a very odd year so uh what's crazy about this year was and bryce i don't know if you realize this but holy wars was the last like event in yeah. 2019 domestically right i mean it was like you did paca we did holy wars and then everything was shut down and uh, you've had some small local events happen, but not not anything really big, right? And and so we were the last one. Little did we know, right, um, that that was going to happen. And um, I had some big plans for Havoc. I really did. Um, I had plans designed around uh, – well, I might as well just tell you. So one of the things we were going to do was have a, a massive um, – like an airship that was going to fly. It was going to start on table one. And essentially, it was going to move over the different realm, over the different um, tables, causing destruction along the way before every game started. <laughs> and so I was going to build this like kind of Zeppelin-y looking Caradron Overlord thing. And I was going to have that kind of flying over the tabletop surfaces. That was going to be the, the concept that year, uh, for this year, for Havoc. <clears throat> and... Um, and it was going to be like or orbital bombardment. Oh, wow. These things were just going to be dropping down, <laughs> destroying all <laughs> kinds of stuff, causing all kinds of chaos. And so that would make table choices very, you know, um, jump on. See, your listeners might not know. At my events, you get to choose the table. So there's a, we draw these tokens, right? And we can explain this afterwards. But the concept, guys, was that the Zeppelin, so like in between each round, you'd see where the Zeppelin is. Right. So the Zeppelin might be on table five and that might be the table you get drawn on. Right. Or that might be the table you might look and you might say, oh, shit, I don't want to be on that table. I'm going over here <laughs> to avoid the Zeppelin. So that was going to be the little nuance to the story um, for Havoc was going to be this thing where there was like a, this new um, 
okay. kind of Karadran overlord type of thing. Now that didn't obviously that didn't happen. So I do have some ideas in, in mind for some some tables for next year. Um, there is a there was a giant table in mind, um, kicking off um, some stuff, uh, some concepts for that. Um, you know, we we really upped the game with the tables. The um, there were some tables that were slated for some updates. Um, that would be the Arachnarak table. Um, we are going to be um, extending the the fungus forests. We're going to become more dense, and then um, you were going to have much very Hobbit like. Um, the Elven Road through Mirkwood. Um, so you, we were going to take, I don't know if anybody, you probably don't remember this, but the concept was going to be that you were going to have a scatter die. Each player would have a scatter die. Uh, this is from the Warhammer Fantasy days. And it was a, it was for artillery barrages, but you would, at one point or another, as you're navigating your way through, you might wind up going left, you might wind up going right, based on where the, the arrow was pointing. Um, and so that was going to be an addition to the, the fungus forest, um, on the Arachnarok table. So it might lead you away from the objective or lead you to the objective. <laughs> so, um, so it, what the, the concept behind that was that you might want to start, we were going to have this concept where you could, you could have a couple, a couple of units in reserve. Everybody would get to do that. Um, now that on the council, there was some debate about that because, you know, with some armies, that's a strategic component. and um was by allowing other armies to deploy units in the heavens was that fair quote fair right well it's a holy event what's fair so uh, (laughs) that's the way i look at it um but yeah so so those were the plans for havoc this year that didn't materialize because we are on hold um it's i will say from a personal perspective um i waited as long as i could before i canceled havoc um, Ty, you would have loved the new room. I think Bryce would attest to that. It's a, it's oh, a, yeah. the, the location, the hall is so much better. Um, and, um, we just wouldn't have been able to, first of all, I wanted to up the game to 72 people, um, because we were going to use every table and for havoc. Um, but the restrictions here in Illinois would have forced us to only allow 50 and that would be including us as TOs. Um, would only be allowed in the hall at a time. Um, yeah. So we could technically like do 50 players, but we'd have to be in the hallway as opposed to being in, or we'd have to monitor who was going in and out. And there were some legal ramifications too. Um, one of the things we we discussed with the with the hall was this concept of like providing PPE for everybody. Mm-hmm. And they told us we can't because then we could be sued because by providing PPE, we'd be taking on liability. That's what the hotel's lawyers had told them when they said, do not put PPE in people's hotel rooms. Oh. Um, and because then you're, you're accepting potential liability if somebody gets sick. And so I said, okay, well, so what are the, what are the protocols? And she's like, well, you know, if you enter the hall, you have to, you make sure everybody has a mask, everybody's social distancing, blah, blah, blah. And, to be honest, it was something that we didn't want to, first of all, run the risk, right? It's all about people's health, okay? And and uh, second of all, I didn't want to have to police people, mm-hmm. um, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, I didn't want to have to, wherever you come down on the mask versus, ma- you know, no mask or whatever, where, whatever your feelings are, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to get into that because that's not what I'm about. Um, so I wanted to, you know, we, we made the decision to cancel. The good news is that we were able to not lose our deposit and the, the hall moved us to 2021. Um, so they were, 
they were really gracious with that, allowing us to move to 2021. Um, with that being said, I don't know what's going to happen with Holy Wars in February uh, at this time. Um, you know, it's pro. It's definitely we've made no formal announcement that it's going to happen in all mm -hmm. likelihood based on where we're at and based on what how this state is running. I I can't see us being able to get it off the ground quick enough. So I would say it's probably a good bet that that Holy Wars in 2021 won't happen and it'll be havoc. Um, so that that's a bit of a gut punch, but. I think yeah. that's probably the the best route to go, you know, and wait and see. The good the good news is, is that Havoc's in November of 2021. So, you know, we all should have a better understanding of what we're up against and maybe things yeah, can settle you, down. You hope a, a year from now it's it's a uh, a different picture and we mm -hmm. have some something the hobby for and look forward to because that's mm -hmm. that's uh that's been the hard part is all of these events that, you know, are these you schedule them out I was looking at my vacation time this year. I have this plethora of like extra vacation days that I used right. to, you know, bank for travel days for tournaments. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. One one thing though, I do want to talk about is the charity work that you do every mm -hmm. every event. You have the the raffle where you know uh, people can purchase tickets, and it goes mm -hmm. to I always mispronounce it, but Hesed House, I believe. No, you got it. That's it. That's it. That's correct. Hesed House. Yeah. It's a homeless no. shelter here in Aurora, uh, uh, one suburb, a couple suburbs over from where I live. So, so without the event and, you know, that I want to take a little bit of time. Is there any way for anyone, you know, to we've got Giving Tuesday is kind of this national event where people can make charitable donations. Do you have any information or anything we can put out there? Because without the events, you know, that's a, a, a pretty decent amount of change that. uh mm -hmm comes in from the the awesome community and the, the work you do so i want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about the charity and if there's any opportunity for people to to give sure. in lieu of uh you know our, our usual raffles at the at the tournaments well if you're of a giving nature and you really want to support the homeless community in and around this area you can contribute directly to hesedhouse.org and that's h-e-s-e-d house H-O-U-S-E.org. Um, that's what I would encourage you to do. They'll take any cash donation at all. If you if you're of the giving spirit, please, you know, donate there. It's a it's a charity that was uh that's been the cornerstone of what we do. I mean, that's you know, as much fun as I have doing the event, um I've taken it I, I've used the event to raise funds towards this charity. Um in the course of the, let's see, we've done, I think we've done either 10 or 11 total events. Um, maybe not, well, actually maybe, maybe 10 was going to be havoc. But over the course of time that we've done the events, we've now eclipsed, we've been able to, with both events, um, we've, we've, we just went over, I think it was $10,000 that we've contributed over the years. You know, it's like about two, almost $2,000 each event. And so we, we got real close to that mark. Um, it's been um, the generosity of spirit is really amazing. Um, you know, we, we don't really, our event is not really big. Um, so we don't get like product from Games Workshop. We rely on contributions from you in the community um, to inspire this. So, 
you know, one of the things I started to do to try to up the ante a little bit was raffling off one of the tables. So when I create a new table, I retire another table. And so then what we do is we, we use that, that table gets thrown in as um, the terrain from that table, uh, the terrain pieces, not the, not the physical, you know, four foot by six foot MDF <laughs> table, but the terrain that's on top of the table gets raffled <clears throat> off. And, and uh, we've been, uh, one by Christian where and one by Christian. Yeah. Um, yeah. last year, no, like at, at, <laughs> yeah. at Holy Wars, he didn't win. It was the first time. Um, <laughs> it was a buddy of Kenny Lull's. Um, and I can't remember the guy's name. I can see his face, but it was, it was somebody that Kenny brought. Um, he won. Uh, actually I think it might've been havoc might've been, I don't know if we did a, I can't remember. Gosh, I'm sorry. I should remember this. I should have took a note and took some notes on that part. Um, <laughs> anyway, but Christian didn't win the last terrain raffle. It went to somebody else. So, um, uh, but yes, he 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 was winning. Uh, what was it like two or three years in a row or something? I don't, I don't know, something something crazy like that. Um, and and you know, mini stop <clears throat> landmine and mini stop mini stop has been great. You know, they we partnered with them and. Um, he instead of just giving, he wanted to do something a little different, and he, you know, he he contributes to a lot of events, so he gives out prize support to um, a lot of events, and then he's like, you know, maybe we could do something different. What do you think? And I, and I thought about it for a little bit. I said, well, hey, how about this? How about I'll tell you, I got an idea for a table. So the Skaven table, that was the first one we did, and um, I think that, yeah, that was the first one. So the Skaven table. Um, did you guys play on yep. that? Yep. Okay. Oh yeah, love that. Table. So, so that table was the first concept, the first i, the first uh, table we did with Lant, with uh, Mini Stomp, and I, I told him, I said, look, you know, I'll, I'll do this, and then I'll raffle off the old Skaven table. So I'll retire that, and we'll raffle it off, and that'll be the, that's how we'll do that. And he thought, yeah, that's awesome. And so, that's how that whole thing started. And so then, what, what started to happen was through that. So one of the things that. I was able to do was that when I'm building these tables and I make sure I mention him. So I've got my Twitter feed. Um, you know, I get a lot of traction. I have a lot of followers who started following me because I was on Twitter. Like I didn't do anything with Twitter before the holy events. And I started to use Twitter to say, Hey, look what I'm building on this table. And suddenly I was getting, you know, some, a significant amount of followers. It's nothing huge. It's only like, I don't know, 2,700 or something. Um, but what I told them was that I would, tag him in every single picture update on the tables that I was building. So that he would, you know, kind of marketing, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, guerrilla market, viral marketing. And so um that's what I would do. So I'd be in the process of building these tables so people could see the tables. And that also generates some some like, oh my gosh, look at what's what's coming for Holy Wars. It kind of like keeps people interested in the event as we're going. Cause so often you're you just, you know, there I think that's the one unique that's definitely one of the unique things of the holy events is that when we're when we're going it kind of it i drive the i kind of drive what the narrative might be in the future by constantly promoting it through my hobby you know my my twitter mm -hmm. feed my twitter feed's kind of my hobby blog like my blog's pretty much dead now i don't really do anything with it i just basically use twitter because it's so easy um and then um through that, I mean, the guys who do Raw in the UK, when I met them at Adepticon, they told me that my event was the inspiration for them to do Raw. Oh, and, awesome. and, wow. and, and Ming and those guys, they, they did reach out to me. And we've been trying to figure out a way that we could maybe link the two events together in some manner. 
Um, but oh, Ming wow. was, he reached out to me early on and he was like, Hey, you know, what, what could we do? And we just couldn't really sync it up just because of, you know, time differences and differences of schedule and weekend. But one of these years we want to do that, you know, we want to try to try to do that. And that was surreal. So like, uh, that was the year you and I, yeah, that was the year you and I played Ty. So like I, I showed up to Adepticon just to kind of hang out on Thursday, you know, and all of a sudden these, these guys with these British accents come down the stairs and they're like, <laughs> Holy hammer heard. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And it was like this kind of like, I guess, I guess you could say it's like what a celebrity must feel like. Cause I was like, <laughs> okay. And they're like, dude, this is, I'm Mitzi. I'm Jimbo. And, and, and you know, we run raw with me. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. I'm like, Hey, it's great to be. Oh, thank you. Oh man. This is, you're a legend. And I was like, my head's really big guys. I don't need my head to get any bigger, but holy cow. And so then, and then, and then like the face hammer guys come, 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 come down the stairs and it's like, and they, they know who I am and they're like, oh my gosh. And yeah, you know, thanks so much for, you know, and then, and you know, so it was really kind of cool to see that, to see that, that the events started to gain this, not only a kind of a local thing, but it, 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 our, you know, like in those early years, we started getting players like, you know, we, we were getting players signing up from like, oh, you know, I'm from I'm from Australia and I'm going to be in town. So I'm going to sign up. And then um, I'm from Can I'm from Canada. I'm coming in on a business trip. I'm going to sign up. And then, you know, we were like, holy cow, what's what's happening here? And then, you know, you started to see I started to gain followers that like were like following the stuff and what we were doing and, and they were followers from all over. It wasn't just, you know, friends and locals. It's turned into, it, it wind up turning into something more. And, and so, you know, it was, it was very flattering and somewhat scary in a way. Um, but, you know, one of the really cool things was when, you know, you meet these people and I met, you know, Jimbo and Mitzi and, um, and Les and uh, Russ and Byron and, and all these guys. And, you know, they were all just amazing guys and they were mm -hmm. just the, these really down to earth guys. And I met, I remember when I met Dan Heelan and, and Wayne Kemp and, you know, for me, they were my nerd celebrities because I listened to Heelan Hammer and um, this was during the fantasy days. And so when, when I met Wayne and Wayne really, Wayne and I have had this dream of playing a game. We've never been able to sync up and do it, but we, we talked about teaming up double Skaven for like in the future someday <laughs> And having a massive Skaven thing and doing something really cool. And so the the way the community reacted to the event was really invigorating and, and inspiring. And it kept me wanting to deliver new. Like I I remember after year one, the we thought we were done. You know, or I thought I was done. I thought, okay, I built all these tables, this is great. But then there was this desire to to create new tables. And that's what led to how I was starting to do a new table for every event. Like every year I was still creating new tables and I was like, wow. And, and, or updating or, or improving. And, I, and it was because of the, the desire of the community and the love that the community showed for the event and for the tables and for the design and for the craziness that is a holy event. And, and so that, that's what kind of inspires me to do the, to, to create, you know, to, to come up with the concept of the Zeppelin. Like I would, I was yeah. talking about that at, at, um, at the new hall because the new hall's bigger, right? Ty. So like in our old hall, the way the tables were, they were, they were kind of like, um, uh, perpendicular to each other. Right. So like 
but in the new hall, they go long ways. So like we can have the Zeppelin flying over the tables and it would be this Bryce. Wouldn't that be cool in that hall? Yeah. Like, and I was thinking I'd have this like acrylic stand Bryce that was like maybe six feet high. So like you would like, be moving it. So it would be like above everybody. Oh, flying above oh, everybody. <laughs> and so like, it was going to be really pretty epic. And, and, um, and then, um, but that, that whole thing was fed by the community. Right. So like, it was my desire to see the faces of the players when they walk in and they, you know, that's probably, I, I, that's one of the more fulfilling things is when you see, when you design a new table, like the, the, um, the, um, the frozen, um, the, the, oh God, what the hell was the name of the table? It's sitting here. It's right outside my door and I can't remember <laughs> the name of the table. Um, when that table, you, people just flock to it. Right. So like they see it on Twitter and then they flock to it. So, um, the, it's really, it brings me great joy to see the reaction of the players, especially the new players. Like when, when the, like when you walked in that first time, Ty, your eyes, it was like Christmas <laughs> Yeah, you, walk, you walked into the hall and your eyes were like as big as golf balls and you're just like walking to each table and, and absorbing the rules and um, the maps. And I think that was the other thing that we've added that we've done over time, the, the having the maps there with the grid so that it's very clear so that, you, you know, it we, wasn't like that in the early days. We recently had a discussion about terrain and like, it's <laughs> you know, how it interacts with the table. And, and we that came up. We talked about at the holy events the the map that mm-hmm. kind of shows where stuff is and makes it very clear because you know there, there's that way that terrain in a standard like game of a- aos or 40k can really impact the play experience mm-hmm. and like having a kind of a, a template you know how how important right. that can be in in the map to provide that guidance so you don't have somebody you know moving stuff around or you know right. shifting it around to their their <clears throat> advantage but yeah, well, we've that, caught players doing that I've caught them. <laughs> oh. Or we, we Bryce. Why did you yeah. do that, Bryce? We we uh yeah, it wasn't Bryce. It was uh <laughs> it was in, in our early days when we first, you know, I think when people first attended our event, they didn't know what to expect, you know. They thought, mm-hmm. okay, this is going to be, you know, even though we said, "Hey, look, you're going to need bodies to claim objectives." I don't think people really truly realized what was going on. And then what happened was after game one, there was maybe two or three players who may have come up to me and said, Hey, look, you know, at the table next to me, they're saying, Hey, let's just ignore these rules and just play. And um, so then we had to start saying that if we caught you, you'd be docked sportsmanship points if you didn't play by the rules of the event and what we were doing with our, with our, with our rules. But, you know, um, those players don't really attend anymore. So that's a good thing. Um, yeah. Those players that don't embrace it, they don't come back. So, and that's okay. Um, I get it. It's okay. It's not for everybody. Our event is definitely not for everybody. <laughs> it took me a while, Ty, to, to get used to that. To You know, I wanted to be liked like everybody, right? As human beings, that's what we want. We mm-hmm. want to be liked. And it took me a while to get over the idea that there are going to be friends of mine who don't want to come to my event because of the way my event is designed. And, you know, it took a while for me to get used to that. And that's why I had to take control back of Mm -hmm. the event. Well, I I think, you know, that's, that's an element we've, and we've talked about it already, but the, it it is a community that has been, you know, cultivated, like in a way Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, people looking for a similar experience and, and, 
having fun embracing elements of the hobby and the the game that are that are wild and crazy at times and um you know it's it's kind of one of the the hallmarks of the event for me is you know seeing seeing patrick yelling random stuff and (laughs) some some of the other characters that that come through Um, right yeah any um I'll, I'll kick it off to, to Josh and Troy or Bryce. Any questions kind of about the events in general before we, you know, I, I do want to spend a little bit of time and you talked about your followers on Twitter. Um, you know, there's, there's a hobby streak that we're going to talk about mm-hmm. here in, in a moment, but before we kind of move into that, anything from the, the panel before we move off of uh, kind of the event. I have one, but I'll let Josh and uh, what's the other guy's name? Koopman. <laughs> first. No, I'm good. I, I I might have something about hobby streak stuff, but I'm I'm good for now. Okay. All right, Bryce. So then, before before we so, move to the hobby streak, what do you got? So I have a question followed by a challenge. So my question is, why do you not have a warlord for Holy Wars? um well the way holy wars so the way holy well boy that's a (laughs) that's kind of a complicated complicated answer you know the the way it started the way our event started was this idea that we would have this uh, narrative slash and then a competitive event and um when when i was designing holy havoc um there was a lot of debate as to make that our competitive event to make the team event a competitive event we would have this narrative event with holy wars where the tables do crazy things and then we would have you just your prototypical team vanilla event and i didn't want to do that and I wanted to find a way to separate the two and I felt like the warlord of havoc was a good way to do that. And John Ellis really helped me to flesh out that idea a little bit more. And then, you know, when, when, when Tim came on, um, he helped flesh out those rules and Tanya was always a good equalizer there, you know, telling us, Hey, you've gone too crazy or she would put in her two cents. And eventually what happened with the council, the council became split. Because then we had, you know, Tim just wanted to play right out of the book. He's like, hey, let's just play out of the book. Let's just play out of the book. When the when the new rules came out, you know, like when it was AOS 2.0 came out, um, you know, I, I, I thought about just playing straight out of the book, but I still wanted it to be narrative. I liked the Warlord concept. And then we talked about bringing the Warlord into Holy Wars. So, like, you would have your Warlord of Havoc who has leveled up, and then that character would then carry over into Holy Wars. But what we decided to do was to to keep the two events separate, Bryce, to keep the event so that you had those players who don't who maybe wanted to do a singles event. Um and they he or she could come to that event and and just focus on their army. And we wanted to have something distinct to separate whole, holy wars and holy havoc, and the warlord did that really, really well. I have been very tempted, I have to admit very very tempted to say hey if you've if you've attended you know we have the rights of havoc um for those of you who might not know um the rights of havoc are if you attended holy havoc because holy havoc's in november and then holy wars was in that following february 
you would get an opportunity to choose your table first. Um, that was what we called the rights of havoc. Um, so the idea was that your warlord secured some territory from havoc, and that's kind of how we linked those two, Bryce, um, the two events. But yeah, I've, I've flirted with it. I've thought about it. I want to, but I also feel like I gotta. I want to try to keep keep them a little separated. So, and I like that, like having two distinct events, um, and then tying them together with having the warlord, you know, control some territory or whatever you want to call it. I think, I think that's really smart. Oh, thanks. I, I, um, it, it, it's, uh, been a fun experience. So what we do is we put everybody's name and and I draw them randomly. So whoever was at havoc, they, their names get drawn first. And then those players get to come up during, uh, before round one to choose the table they want to play on or the matchup that they want to have. Um, and then the other unique thing that we do for both events is we do grudges for every game, you know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which is why not, right? <laughs> You're there to have fun. <clears throat> Roll dice with your buddies over the weekend. It's that it's that filling up your uh, your schedule for the weekend. It's like, oh, yeah, I can grudge yeah. you round two. I can grudge you round it's, three. You round yeah, four. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's good and it's bad. I mean, at our last Holy Wars at the last venue, Bryce, you were there. Were you there the year yeah. uh, Trunzo yeah. won? Do you remember yeah. what happened? Yeah, yeah same so, table every game. Coward. Yeah, no. Well, take the, <laughs> take the challenge for the top two people. Yeah, I hope yeah. he listens because I just called him a coward, and I'll say, yeah, it you did, you did, you did. Shot yeah, fired. So, you did. I'll, you I'll take. Was it Jake or Sean? It was Jake, <laughs> right? No, Sean. 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 And, Sean. Sean wanted to play Trunzo to yeah. take the title, but yep. Trunzo, yep. Trunzo took the easier matchup. Hey, Trunzo's and, a club mate. I think I, I can call him out on, on air. Right. That's fair. That's all right, fair. that's fine. Um, and so, you know, uh, but that, you know, I was, I was, as a TO, I was cool with it. You know, like for me, I'm like, hey, that's the way I designed it and he's doing it. And that's, it's, you know, so you can call him out. I'm not going to call him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I will say, full disclosure, I, I don't know how much longer I'm going to do double events. I can tell you that right now because it's a lot of work. Um, and yeah. COVID may be forcing my hand, you know, um, with this whole thing. And, um, you know, I, I haven't made a firm decision yet. Um, but, um, you know, if it doesn't look like Holy Wars is going to happen in February. Um, and uh, so, you know, we might have to see what happens in 2022. So. So Bryce, you said you had a question and a challenge. Did the answer not allow for a challenge, or what? What are you following it, that up it with? Kind you of called didn't. out Trunzo. Yeah, Steve, a hard well, question. Steve then made me feel bad for telling him that I, my challenge was for him to introduce that to Holy Wars because <laughs> it's really, it's like my favorite part about it is to see. So, like a lot of people look up to you as a hobbyist and the oh, things thanks. that you do, and. I, in in my eyes, it's your way of challenging people to push themselves to do mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. and and the armies that we get to see because of that, like Ty's Deepkin army and and mm-hmm. some of the stuff that Vince brings and does, and it's super cool. And and there's nowhere else that does anything like that except for Raw. So mm-hmm. maybe if it's not that, maybe it's like a unit, like a converted <clears throat> unit, but like sure. it plays as whatever. But having right. something as you call them your pinnacle awards where it's like truly pushes the hobby. And of course the army one is there, but having 
you know, if, if a whole army is too much for people, focusing on a warlord or focusing on a five-man sure. unit is more realistic and right. a good stepping stone and also encourages more cool stuff. And well, the I other... Just, it's funny you should say that because I get all right. Well, I'll come clean. <laughs> no, I'll come clean. Um, I had this concept in mind, and well, there you go. So now you get a slaying and playing, um, or playing and slaying exclusive. Um, it was it was going to be the warrior, not the warlord. So the the idea the idea for the tie in with the narrative would be that it would be like a, um, it'd be basically a unit champion that would be in that unit. And the 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 narrative flair would have been like for that hero that that kind of like unit champion to eventually become your warlord. So I've been outlining that as a schematic to better link the two. So it's not a warlord of havoc per se, mm-hmm. right? But it's this warrior who then levels up throughout the weekend to maybe buff your unit, and then eventually the so the narrative idea would be if you attended Holy Wars in let's say okay so it doesn't matter now because Holy Wars 2021 isn't really going to be happening. So Holy Wars 2021. So you'd have this hero, right? And your idea would be to then level him up for Holy, Holy Havoc in, in November. So, um, and so kind of carrying that narrative flavor out there. So, um, so the challenge would have been met if COVID didn't hit, I guess. So, <laughs> there you go. So, you know, if, if, if Holy War survives, then that would might be, you know, I have the narrative outlines set up for that kind of concept. Um, the, uh, the, um, there was some internal debate there. Um, and we had some really crazy plans for Havoc this year. So um, <laughs> your Warlord of Havoc, we were going to be changing things significantly um, for the Warlord. Like um, a bigger base? No, well, no, no, not necessarily a bigger base, but what was going to happen was your warlord um, was not going to be your general this year. Um, what was going to take place was that your warlord, and this is another exclusive for you guys, um, <laughs> what your warlord was going to do was your warlord in game five was going to take control of your army by slaying your general. Oh, nice. Ooh. So essentially what was going to happen was either he was going to rally the troops to to overthrow your general for game five. And so so there was going to be a mechanic in play, um, and we were still in the process of figuring that out. We were waiting for the new GHB to drop, and we were going to see what the how, the how things had changed. But what we were going to do was that's what was ultimately going to happen. So this warlord was trying to seize power throughout the weekend. You know, in game one, there would be these little kind of things that would be happening during the game. And um, the narrative tales were going to be, you know, like, were you were you rallying enough support to then in game five, when you wanted to claim achieve ultimate power to become the true warlord, you would then slay your general. So, um, you know, imagine this lowly, um, you know, uh, Iron Jaws brute who suddenly slays. <laughs> the, the 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 lord on maw crusher right so um and takes control in game five and so um we were working out the the, the details for something like that so that would have really kind of fed into that narrative um concept a little bit more but yeah so um yeah so we had had some good plans hopefully they'll materialize in 2021 um there were some other some other unique things that were we were talking about doing with uh forming um 
using some of the some of the um, the new stuff in the GHB as a way to form alliances throughout the weekend as well um, between teams and um, oh nice some really cool stuff there um, and because we have a bigger space now we talked about teleporting from sending in reinforcements yes. from other armies <laughs> across the room that kind of thing. Um, so we were flirting with all those rules and mechanics. I've been flirting with that, um, you know, and, uh, taking some unique, um, tables and doing some unique things with some of the rule sets and shaking, shaking things up that way as well. So, you know, too bad it didn't happen. Hopefully in 2021. Well, cross all fingers and toes and. To speak back to Bryce's point, if I may, um, I'm really pleased to hear you say that about the hobby aspect of the event and and the the concept behind the warlord and and uh, um, that that has kind of fed your inspiration um, for the hobby and what you're doing, and obviously with Ty's army, um, that's been probably one of the one of the neat things about our event was that. You know, we had some incredible hobbyists who attended our event, you know, like Johnny, um, Vince, Butcher. And, you know, those guys were running away with the hobby awards. And we eventually got to a point where we're like, okay, you know, maybe what we need to do is change our rule set a little bit (laughs) (laughs) to make it a little bit more challenging. And so we can't, that's when we came up with the concepts of like, you know, you can only win once with a certain type, with an army. Um, You can't, you can't win again um and um so you you know you can't bring i can't bring my wood elves and win twice or my sylvaneth and win twice you have to have a new a new army to qualify for that and then um you know the other thing too is that we wanted to put an emphasis on the hobby awards versus the gaming awards so we really worked hard at changing that um and that's what helped us to take back control of the event when the event when we started to minimize the competitive part in favor of the hobby. Um, and that, that helped us to, to get help, helped us to take back the, the, the core of the event. Yeah. And that's one thing we've talked about on here after we, you know, we do our post event recaps and the, our, I think I don't want to speak for Ty, but our favorite thing about it is the, the last two awards that are given away are the, the awards for the hobby. And, mm-hmm. and the pinnacle awards for the event and mm-hmm. people don't even half the time know who who won right. i can't see my air quotes but people don't even know because it's like the first or second thing you say and it's like just <laughs> and yeah. then when the room gets quiet and pays attention is for those awards mm-hmm. and, you know it, it's it's yeah. really cool yeah i think we we give out the who 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 won like who best warlord? I think that's our first thing, right? And then, yeah, think, yeah. and then it's Second, like yeah. the holy con. We have holy conqueror, and then warlord of havoc, or whatever warlord. Uh, yeah, um, and or the conquerors of havoc, uh, and those are the ones. That's the first one, and then we give out sports, and then um, and then we go right into hobby, and we have more hobby awards. <laughs> so too many some people would say uh, but you know whatever to, to hell with them don't come to the event uh, <laughs> they're, they're yeah. great they're great trophies i i've put my i've put my dragon head in a in a spot where every day as i'm working here i can look up and see it oh nice you earned it man that was a great great <laughs> great army and a great concept and 
and it was like not even a like when we when we were sitting down in the judging. I don't know if I ever told you this, but you know we were sitting down and we're judging all the army and um, all the the armies to see you know which one was it going to be because the way the way we do it is we you know we we have this thing on uh, for scoring that's that that you have to you have to achieve x amount of points in order to be judged for a hobby award and you know so and and those points are easy to get right so so there's a lot of it's just effort right and mm-hmm. you put forth the effort you're going to get you're going to be op, you're going to have the opportunity to be judged for a hobby award so we don't i don't think our checklist for the hobby apprentice and then the hobby um um the the uh God, man, I am terrible tonight. Uh, I don't have enough caffeine. But you have to score a total of 22 points in order to be judged to be a master, okay? And so when we judge, and then when we judge you, we sit down and we we kind of narrow, I, I kind of, I go through with the judges and we narrow the field and we then narrow it again. And then then what we do is we then go into deep scrutiny. And so one of the things we actually do for our event is, and some people actually saw this. Were you in the hall at Holy Wars, Bryce, when this happened, when, when we were doing the judging? Some people came into the hall and like we were doing our scrutiny. Because at, at, Ty, at the new place, we were able to put all the holy, all the ones that made the cut for final judging. We were able to put them out um, in the oh, hall, okay. all on a line, kind of like Adepticon does. Mm-hmm. At, were you in there, Bryce, when we were... when? I think so. We were going through it and we were like flipping the models upside down. Did you see us flip? Yeah. Yeah. With the flashlight. (laughs) No, we didn't use a flashlight. (laughs) Um, Maybe the flashlight on the phone. Yeah. I can show Vargas that. No, but what we do is we we were looking at it, right? Because we we had these great armies down, right? We had these, we had a great list of armies. And and that year, uh, Alex was so funny. Alex Gonzalez like made the cut. Like, and he looks at me, he's like, what the hell are you talking about? How did I make the cut? <laughs> I'm like, dude, you made the cut. And he's like, he goes, that's not possible. He goes, I'm up against Vince and Mike Trent. And, and I'm like, you made the cut. Shut up. Just take the compliment, dude. You made it. And he's just like, oh, my God. And he was like, he just was so like beyond the moon to be honored with all these other, you know, uh, great hobbyists. But one of the things that was happening was, was we're, we're going through and we're scrutinizing. And I'm flipping the models and I'm looking at them. I'm picking up the model and I'm looking at it and everything. And then I flip some of the models over. I'm like, look, the, this isn't painted. And like the judges were like, what? And I'm like, yeah, look. And so like, you know, like we're looking at this model and you, you flip it over and you can see that like there's an area of the model that's like gray plastic. And I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, does that sway your opinion? You know, and, and, and some of the other judges would be like, well, yeah, I think yes and then they would go to another army and they'd pick up the model and you see this like little clan rat and every element of that model is painted <laughs> okay well that should that should tell you something right i mean you know that and i take that because of what happened to me at the warhammer championships and when i i came in second place and uh, it was, this was at the in 2014 at the u.s masters and uh for warhammer fantasy and I took second place, and and I remember the judges there, and it was a Golden Demon winner and another guy, and they said to me, they're like, hey, can we pick up your models? I'm like, absolutely. And I'm like, you know, they pick it up, and they're they're rotating the model, and, and the guy says to me, he goes, yeah, we rotate the model because, you know, some people don't only paint the top. And I'm like, I'm like, oh. I'm like, well, you won't find that on mine. I always paint the whole thing. And sure enough, I watched them disqualify guys who, like, didn't paint. Like, they did these wonderful freehand banners on the front, but then the back was nothing like 
literally nothing. So it was like just the facing of the display. And they're like, well, you didn't paint the entire model. And so we took that standard and applied it to our event. Like, you know, you got to put, you know, that's the way we look at it, right? So it's like we really scrutinize. And when Ty's army came, came across, long way of getting to this point. <laughs> but, but when, when we were looking at your army, Ty, I remember sitting there and, and saying to everybody, I'm like, do you realize, like, the amount of effort it took to, like, combine Stormcast with this army? Like, look at this. And so we were, we were in there scrutinizing. Right. Like, like really getting into the guts of what was being done and it was, and what you had done. So you had definitely earned that trophy. And boy, what was that? 10 minutes later? I, I got on <laughs> well, I, I appreciate it. And that when we talk about kind of highlight, you know, moments of five years of AOS, like that, that's it. It was that, you know, that, yeah. that hobby award and that, that, that was event. cool. Well, I was, it was an honor to, I was really happy. Um, I thought it was really awesome. And I remember listening to your show and Bryce recounting the tale of how he kept pushing you to keep going, oh, yeah. keep going, keep going. Cause without, there were so many times you wanted to quit and without him. Uh, yeah. I don't yeah. get that done. <laughs> that was, that was pretty awesome. That was pretty awesome. And the tale and everything about it was really, really cool. And then, and then I liked too, the way you guys unified um, at the, uh, you guys had a, you built on the theme. Um, which was cool too. Yeah. Didn't you do that? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Built on the yep. Yeah. So it was pretty awesome. Well, speaking, speaking of putting time in hobbying and painting the, the bottom of clan rats, you have a <laughs> 600 and some I've, I've lost count as it approaches 700. Yeah. A just like insane when I look at it, hobby streak. So mm -hmm. uh, yep. on Twitter, that hobby streak is at what? Is it six seventy something? Uh, today will be six hundred and seventy one. Will be today <laughs> in a row. Goodness. In a row. In a row. Six hundred seventy one in a row. It's not the best. It's not the longest. There's other people out there that have done probably longer. Um, you can probably find them. Um, you know, I'm not sure they promote it as much as I did, but um, you know, but thanks. I mean, you so, should be pretty damn proud. You, yeah, you have pictures in the tent painting. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> people that are listening and, and don't follow you, which is probably no one. You need to just go back and look because it's insane. Yeah, I'm in a campsite. Lantern painting. Who would have thought? <laughs> yes, yes, there was. Uh, it's been a challenge. I will say that. Um, the. So what I what happened uh, last year? So I'm almost to two years. Um, when it started, when the when it when I started the when I started to chronicle the streak, um, it's kind of funny because you you start something like that, and then you're like, well, shit, you know, I probably was like 300 days before that, or maybe you know, I, I, like the number is probably a lot bigger than 671 because it's just when I started chronicling it. Um, I decided that. Um, I would sit down just to see how long I could go. The, the The whole idea was to see, could I do 365 days in a row? And um, once I hit the one-year mark, I was like, well, why should I stop? And so I just kept going. And um, what I realized was I, I, I tried to make it a part of my daily rituals, right? So like drinking a cup of coffee or brushing your teeth, I try to fit in hobbies sometimes during the day. Now, sometimes, 
you know, some people say there are some people out there on Twitter or in the universe that say, if you don't hobby for at least 30 minutes, it's not, you know, you shouldn't count. And I'm like, who makes these arbitrary rules? Yeah. It's yeah. such bullshit. If I'm sitting down and I'm painting for 10 minutes, I've just painted for 10 minutes. You know, it's, it's hobby. like, yep. it's hobby. Um, now, you know, I, you know, there's other days where I'm painting for five hours, you know, and suddenly the day goes by and I've listened to nearly half of an audio book. Um, if it's a small one. And, um, but you know, I mean, so it's hobby. Um, the, uh, the early days of the streak, Bryce were real easy. Um, because, uh, well, this year, this year has been a lot more challenging than the first year. The second year has been a lot more challenging. Uh, the reason being, um, you would have thought that it would probably be like, how is that possible, Steve? You know, COVID, you just, what else are you going to do? Um, when you're building the table, when I'm building the table, um, or new terrain, there's always something to do. Like literally, like when I was, when I'm building tables, I am literally, literally coming downstairs before church, slinging paint and then in my, you know, suit. And then I run <laughs> off the church. So like if Belle couldn't find me, she knew where I was. <laughs> I was in the basement building tables or building terrain. I mean, I had an assembly line going, I built every piece of terrain. I had very little input from my team. So like, so when I started year one and I was building new tables, right? I was always, I would always have a table going. There would always be a new table. So there was always terrain being built. And um, so what happened when, when, you know, when COVID hit, like before COVID, it wasn't, it wasn't a problem. You remember at the event this year at Holy Wars, I was in the hall painting, right? Mm -hmm. To get the hobby streak in. I didn't use the, the concept of, um, the event, even though that's hobby, I didn't use that as my hobby streak. I, I committed myself to sitting down at the table in the hall and paint and slinging some paint on my iron jaws. And so it just got to a point where I, it became a part of my lifestyle and I try to find time for it and, and to do it. Um, vacations make it difficult. I'm blessed because I don't really have to do a lot of traveling for work. Um, but even when I traveled, I got a hotel room at Adepticon, you know, last year. And um, I took some models with me and I was doing some green stuff on my daughters, right? Daughters of Cain. I was green stuffing tree stumps in the hotel room after a long day of playing Warhammer <laughs> to keep the streak alive. And I found ways of packing up my supplies that I would need. I got very efficient at saying, okay, look, I'm going to go out to Wyoming and I'm going to be in the Rocky Mountains at Vitavu and I'm going to be camping. So what could I take with me? All right, well, I can take these these piggies and grab my colors and sling some base, base tones. And that's <laughs> what I did during that time. And there's shots of me on Twitter at the campsite, um, you know, and I'm slinging paint and painting. And, you know, you, you pack up a bottle of water, you pack up some Flow-Aid, you got your brushes, and you're, you're just doing it. You just figure it out. Um, and it becomes a part of your lifestyle. And it actually becomes relatively easy to do. Um, there are days where you have to say, where I've had to say to myself, get off your ass and go downstairs and sling paint. Cause you do, you know, you do have those moments where you want to take a day off, but um, you know, it's, um, it's been fun. Um, I don't know. I'm almost, a, I'm almost at, I think, yeah, I'm almost two, um, two years. Um, I'm not much, I'm not very far away from that. Um, I'm not really good with math, so but I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting close to, to the two year mark. Yeah. I'm getting close to two year mark. Cause 730 will be two years. Yeah, you're about two months away. You're about yeah, so, 60 days roughly. 
Yeah, so I'm not I'm not far off from it, um, and I'm not sure if it'll keep going after two years. I'm sure it will. Um, it's not like I don't have plastic, gray plastic down here to paint. So, um, yeah, so we'll see how it goes. I, I have noticed a bit of a drop off. It's interesting. Um, yeah, I was pretty. I was consistently getting. I'm looking at my feed right now. Yeah. So like, I've been stuck. The weirdest thing is like, I've been stuck on like. All right, so now I'm down. I'm down four followers. So I guess I pissed somebody off. But like, <laughs> I, I was at twenty seven thirty six. Now I'm at twenty seven thirty two. I think maybe some of my followers don't like the fact that I'm painting custodies for forty k. <laughs> maybe I need to go back to. It might be it might be whose commission they are. Not Ooh. not you, Steve, Mar- but yeah, maybe right. it's Marv. Yeah. And maybe so. it's because it's Marv, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. That's been fun. So that's my first true commission. Um paid commission, I guess. Um well I've done some sculpting work for people, uh, and then I did some minor paint jobs for some people, but nothing on this scale. So this has been an interesting project to work on. So um um, commission painting is a a whole other beast. So, so if if somebody is going to set out and say, you know what, I'm going to start a hobby streak, and if they want to get past like day ten, mm-hmm. what are some things that you know? What are like three things they just need to start doing if they want to get past day ten? I think that's where every one of mine has petered out is <laughs> once they hit double digits. Um. <laughs> Okay, so I think I think the uh, for me, no, this is just how I do it. Um, I'm um, first of all, I have a permanent space set up. Okay, so I'm lucky. I'm blessed with with a lot of space. Uh, if you've seen me on Warhammer Weekly, you've seen my space. It's pretty large. I mean, I'm I'm looking around right now. I've got the desk I'm sitting at right now, which is my main workstation and paint station. Then I have my airbrush desk. I have another desk for assembly, another desk in here for where my kids used to hobby, um, and then uh, yet another desk. So I have one, two, three, four, five, five desks in this space, right? So I'm so for me that's very very easy, right? So I have an area where I can do assembly. I have an area where I can paint, and so I'm constantly being able to bounce around. So like if I get bored with Marv's project, I can just turn around to my assembly table and start assembling some of my uh, Death Watch or some more of my daughters or whatever armies I have in play, right? Um, So I think organization is the first thing. So if your desktop space isn't organized, I think the streak will be a lot harder to maintain. Um, So if you can set up a permanent space that has the, the paint for the project you're working on within arm's reach, you know, nail polish racks are what I have on my desk. Uh, they have all the paint that I'm currently using on Marv's Army, the custodies, right? So I can just quickly grab them and sling some gold. Like while we were talking, I've been slinging some gold paint on this first test model for the bike. And um, so it's about that organization. That I think that's the key. And that that helps you to get to the next step. Now, the second part of that is for when you get bored. Cause I, I, I think a lot of people get bored um, with what they're doing. So I like to have multiple things going. Now that drives some people crazy and everybody has to find his or her own sweet spot. Mm-hmm. For me, I need the smell of glue and plastic every once in a while. Um, it's, <laughs> you know, I do, I like that smell. Right. So 
I have, sometimes I take a break from painting to do some building. And then sometimes I take a break from painting to sling some primer on some gray plastic. So I constantly have something that's filling my creative tank. Um, and that's how, so I think it's organization and then having those multiple projects for when you get bored with whatever it is your, your primary project is. I think boredom sets in pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you sit down at the desk and you got this deep sigh. Um, <laughs> and so, and the, the other component of that tie is that when you reach that 10 day mark, depending on where it is in the project, in the cycle of the project, sometimes, sometimes it's fear. Okay. That stops the streak. Um, when I got over the fear part and I just said, okay, it's, I said this on Twitter a few days ago. So you guys follow me. I was struggling with trying to find the paint scheme for the jet bikes for this custodies army. And I said on Twitter, I go, I I think I just have to power through, right? Mm -hmm. I just have to punch through this one. And this is partially because this is not my own army, right? This is Marv's army. And I want to make sure I'm producing it at a high level that he'll be satisfied with. But what it was, was this concept of like, as an artist, the usually from a lot of artists, and I'm one of these where like, when you have a blank canvas in front of you, it's usually that first either pencil stroke or brush stroke, and then you're off and running. And I think a lot of hobbyists struggle with that first thing. And then they, when they, when they, when they first make that, they take that first step. It's hard to generate momentum because they're either they're not liking what they're seeing, and so then they say, "All right, this is frustrating. I'm just going to quit. I'm going to stop. I'm going to take a break. And I'm going to stop." And when 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 that when the stop monster is coming at you, you got to hit it in the face and you got to say, no, I'm going to keep going and I'm going to power through. And ultimately, I think that's where it, that's how you make progress as a hobbyist slash artist. And this is art. So, you know, you are an artist, your armies uh, are art. And, And every one of us who do this and put paint on model, you're not just putting paint on a model. For me, it's, you're, you're, it's an artistic expression. So, and I know that sounds kind of made sound kind of crazy, but I think that if pe- more people embrace the concept that they are truly artists with this, it might be liberating for them, and they'll be like, "Oh, wow, yeah, maybe I never looked at it like that." You know, like art is whether you like something or not, it's all in the eye of the beholder, right? And so, like, some people are moved by Van Gogh, some people are moved by Michelangelo, some people are moved by Vince's work, and some people are moved by by um, by uh, Darren Latham's work, right? Mm-hmm. So it's that understanding that your work will move you and you have to continue to grow and grow beyond that. So I think the the first step in that to get over the hump is to get organized and having your paint within reach. Um, having a wet palette is another thing. Now I'm getting into the nitty gritty. <laughs> All right? A wet palette is huge. Um, that will up your hobby game. Get the red grass wet palette. You'll be shocked. Um, it's it's an amazing tool, and I'm very disappointed in myself for not embracing it sooner. So, Ugh, that was that's horrible. no 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 that that is all very good, and and the wet palette I will I will second that as I'm sure Bryce will third that when Bryce got me hooked on wet palettes, and there's no going back. I I can't. Yeah. I used to use like a little somewhere I have a little like porcelain plate, you know, that I would mm-hmm. use and paint would dry up on it and you'd always be peeling off the the old paint. 
like the wet right. palette is it's a game changer it is right let me like, ask can i ask you a question about your about your plastic palette or your porcelain yeah. palette yeah the old the old yeah. plate so did you like so you'd sit down to paint right and then you'd have that plastic dried plastic paint on there and then you'd start peeling it and then it became an obsession to say, okay, I have to get every little piece of that paint off of there <laughs> before I would put paint down. And then you suddenly realize that you've been at your desk for like an hour, just peeling, peeling paint, paint for an hour, off. stalling. And yeah. you're like, okay, I did hobby for an hour. <laughs> I cleaned the palette. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. All right. Good. I'm glad we're all on the same page. All right. Yeah. That obsessive compulsive. I must peel the acrylic palette. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Wet palette's huge. Um, the other thing too that'll improve your hobby game <clears throat> really is 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 um, getting some flow aid that's not as crazy as expensive as Lamia Medium. Um, you don't need to use GW's really expensive stuff. You can use, and this is probably why GW doesn't sponsor any of my events. Well, actually, it's because I'm not big <laughs> enough. I'm not a GW basher. GW, I've spent my kids' college tuition on your product. So I love your product. Um, no, but uh, I use a flow. I use flow aid from uh, from an art store, right? And it's it's Liquitex flow aid. Same thing as medium. It's just that you'll you'll buy a bottle and you'll have it for fifteen years, um, and um, you can then spend your money on paint or more plastic crack. But the medium is huge. Um, one of the things that's really upped my my ability in painting is I will, <clears throat> you know, I'll take those little acrylic. So what I do is, you know, the acrylic things you just described. On my wet palette, I have this 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 tray of uh, it's a basically a little palette, plastic palette that I, that sits 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 next to my wet palette, and what that is filled with is water and medium, and so every time I thin my paint, I'm thinning it in a mixture of the water and the medium, um, because the medium that you get from the art store is a lot more powerful than um, the GW stuff, and so. You cut it with water, and then I use that, and that creates a very thin, consistent paint that just really flows off your brush really, really well. Um, that's an old art school trick. So, um, I'm, here. I'm looking at that red grass palette in the little five. Yep. Uh, the magnetized, you know. Yep, that's what I have. Yep. Red grass is great. Um, I at first didn't like the extra large palette. That's the one I got, but now I'm really glad that I did get it because it allows me to put all of my paint in one area. I did flirt with the idea of getting two small ones and then having a cold tone palette and a warm tone palette. Um, so if you decide to go that route, you might want to do that with the smaller one just because the surface area is so much smaller compared to the extra large. And then those red grass palettes are great. I took them with me when I was on the campsite. Um, they're, they're perfect. They're really awesome. Um, and they're really, really uh, great to use. I'm still using, um, my original, um, uh, sponge that came with the palette though. The, the, um, Oh and, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's still the first one. I haven't replaced it yet. They're very mildew resistant. Um, it's a great product. And if anybody from Redgrass is listening, sponsor my Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hit so you up. <laughs> So that is that is a great point, uh, Steve. What what we always like to do too is give you a chance. We've talked about your Twitter presence. Do you just want to share what your uh, your at is on Twitter so everyone can follow yeah. along if they're not already? Uh, I'm Holy Hammer Hearn on Twitter. I also have a fledgling YouTube channel, um, Holy Hammer Hearn on YouTube. I'm trying to do videos. I'm 
really at a crossroads with the whole video thing. I've done some Holy Hammer how-tos. I messed around with Twitch, but my Twitch channel is no more. Um, just don't like the interface or the community um, that was there. Yeah. Um, and so, um, but yeah, so uh, at Holy Hammer Hearn, and then um, both on Twitter and uh, I have that YouTube as well, trying to decide whether or not that's going to be a thing. So, um, but yeah, that's that's me on social right now. Very cool. Any any questions for Steve, guys? I know I've I've been asking away. I I'm doing the the thing where I just kind of <laughs> steer the conversation and I forget about you all. No, I mean actually, Steve, you touched on it. I was gonna. I know you had dabbled a little bit in some of the video stuff, and I actually enjoyed that. I think it was when you were building the one of the marble table, and I got yeah. sucked in. I'm like, How did he do that? And whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I know. So I was just. I was going to ask you what you were thinking about video and if you were going to do more of it. I, yeah. So, did so you actually, did you actually watch, was that Troy? Yeah. Or did you actually watch the video on? Yeah. I think it was like, you did it on like Twitter or something, I think. Right. Or I did like, one on, yeah. I've done a couple tweet live stream, um, like a live, like Twitter, whatever the hell that was called Twitter live or whatever. Yeah. So with the video stuff, so the YouTube, um, YouTube makes it way easy. I, I did a bunch of stuff. All right. So, all right. Yeah, let me go down this rabbit hole. Um, okay. So, so I'll tell you what happened, dude. I'm kind of, I'm really, I'm really angry with Twitch. I did a bunch of Twitch uh, stuff, hours and hours of Twitching. And I did set up my channel to archive my videos. And then I had it all set up and then they zapped it. Like it got, I lost everything. So I was really ticked off at Twitch. So I, I decided, you know, I'm done with Twitch. I'm not, I mean, I spent all this time. I was live streaming for a while um, doing hobby hangouts and uh, it was kind of cool. You know, I was interface, I was talking to people. Um, I was painting my iron, my mega boss on foot with the banner. Um, uh, I don't know if you saw that on Twitter or not, but it was like this mega boss with the ice armor for my iron jaws of the North. And I was doing freehand on this banner and, and then all those videos got lost. And, um, and so then that led to a little bit of frustration and I was doing some stuff on YouTube and I do have the marble techniques on my YouTube channel. So you can go there and, and check out those um, videos as well. And um, so, yeah, so I, I flirt, I've been flirting with the idea of doing video again. and. Um, you know, maybe just since I do hobby every single day, just kind of doing a YouTube um, live um, hobby, street, you know, hobby hangout kind of thing. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's definitely on the back of my mind. And if there's an interest from the community, um, I, I would do it. I think I've only got like 200 and something subscribers right now. Uh, but I don't put – I'm not producing a lot of content right now on video. Um, uh, so, um, but it's definitely something that I've thought about doing more of and, um, just kind of trying to figure out if people really want to listen to me talk. Well, I, I think, I think we, we need the YouTube channel, you know, for us to, to learn how to, to, to hobby better. And then I think I've told you this before, but once you kind of move West into the mountains, I first see like a, a hobby ranch where you can come for like a two week <laughs> crash course. <laughs> uh like well that's serious hobby that. training in the yeah, uh, at the hobby ranch yeah we uh uh 
Bell has said the same thing to me, Ty. So you've been talking to my wife because <laughs> uh, she, she's convinced that there's a market for me to, because we've been looking at property with, with, we just looked at some property that has like a, like a guest cabin on the property. Now it would have been like the perfect scenario, but we're just not there yet. Um, but she's like, yeah, and you can invite the nerds out and then do a whole hobby weekend. I'm like, nobody's going to want to travel uh, so. Bryce and I will load up in the car yeah. and we will <laughs> we will just drive straight on through. All right. Well, okay, that sounds good. Um yeah, we could we could maybe we could arrange that. Um but yeah, I uh maybe there is something there. Um you know, there's a the, the part of the part of the issue with video Troy, I'll, I'll throw this back at you is the there are so many content creators out there um like on YouTube and I I I have no like delusions of grandeur that I would, you know, that the channel would ever grow or turn into something more, but it, it just feels like there's, there's so many other people out there doing it so really well. Um, I'm just not sure that I, that my voice or what I do is really would be a value, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I, I think it is right. It is finding that niche, right. in some of it, um, and then, but I think you have, right. I think that you're going to have that. It's just like, you know, what's the, there probably is it. What's the top mm. end, right. You know, how, how big could you grow in some mm-hmm. of that? And can you find a niche to be, because I mean, I think you have, you do have a unique voice and, you know, of and, and voice meaning, you know, the, the stuff that you're doing and the angle that you come mm-hmm. in and stuff. Okay. Um, Steve, you could put all these 3d printing fools to shame. You Mel's Mel, the terrain tutor does great videos, but the things you could teach people about the terrain you've built I, you would have people not spending ten thousand dollars on a printer and starting to go to craft stores again. Sorry, yeah. Trent, Josh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The uh, yeah, that's funny. You should say that, Bryce. Um, you know, we I I did for um, let's see, I think it was like two years ago or maybe three years ago. Some of the Lords of War came down a day early for Holy Wars and um or Havoc. I can't remember which one it was. And they actually was Havoc. And uh, so they came down and they stayed here at the HQ. Um, and uh, Pat, it was Pat, Walter, and Marv. And I walked them through and did a little training session for them on how to make the rock rags. And so they actually physically did it themselves. And they were like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And they're <laughs> like, well, damn, we can do that. And then like a few weeks later, there's Pat for his store building, you know, he's, He's mm-hmm. he's like showing me pictures of him sifting through pine bark nuggets and like, is this how you do this? And I'm like, yeah, that's it, dude. Way to go. And that's, yeah, that looks great. And and so they're like, hey, man, you should just do this. And I'm like, all right, well, maybe someday. So, um, yeah, we talked about it and uh, they actually enjoyed it and they had a good time with it. So I think that there is something to be said for that. I've, I've kind of, um, I'm kind of like, you know, love hate with 3d printed terrain (laughs) i'm like i'm like yeah that's cool and there's always a but um yeah i don't know i don't know what the but is but i mean i've got some 3d printed terrain here sitting on the table to paint up for some mushrooms and um yeah um i don't know i'm kind of on the (laughs) fence about 3d printed terrain be careful you might you might upset these two yeah, sorry guys. <laughs> no, I mean, I I've, I've done both, and I I think yeah. there's merits to both. So I, I if you, yeah, if, I agree. I agree with that. That's that's yeah. a, that's definitely a fair statement. Um, you know, 
the 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 stuff that I create, um, it's very different um, than what you know. Um, it's very big. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like the the you're not gonna be three D printing a giant mountain or something, right? Right, right. and <clears throat> you know it's just not practical. Um, yep, to do something on that scale or that size, um, there might be a market for that to learn how to do that. Um, for people, um, you might be right. Um, uh, Mel's got a great channel though. Uh, the Terrain Tutor, he's the British guy, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. He's got a he's got a good channel. He's got some good some good feedback and some some great great stuff and um um and and great tips and tricks. So um not I, I you know Bryce I ha- I would have to say that um not sure I could really um improve upon what he's done or find a niche or a voice that's different um from what mel's doing I, I mean, he's got a really good setup and his quality he's, he's really good so i don't know we'll see i i mean i'm open-minded so i'll take any feedback i can get on on sharing my knowledge and if people would find value in me doing you know um video you know i'd gladly do it i just don't i guess the thing is troy i uh i just I'm not really sure where, how the what the entertainment value is, right? Like you know, you look at some painters and the way they do things, and um, that's step by step kind of instruction. And uh, I'm more of a you know on the fly kind of guy, I guess. I don't know. I, I I just do it too. So it's like there's not a real when when I'm putting paint to model or when I'm when I'm sitting here on my palette and stuff. Like you know, Vince does this really you know, when he does his hobby cheatings, he gets into the whole science of it. And that's Vince's brain. Vince is just wired that way (laughs) where with me, it's all just feel and expression. So it's more the art and not so much, you know, like trying to follow through on certain theories. Right. Does that make sense? So Mm -hmm. it's just, yeah. So I don't know. That sounded kind of dumb. (laughs) <laughs> well at, at the end of the day i think you do have you know an, an approach that is is unique and and kind of you've you've crafted a uh an identity out out there you know amongst the uh-huh. you know t- twitter hobbyists and miniature gamers so if cool. if you it's one of those you know if you build it uh yeah they, i they should know watch. that right i mean shit um, look at the whole event <laughs> sell out every year and you know yeah, yeah i should so I should, what the hell i should just look in the mirror and say wake up stupid um, <laughs> just do it you know like you said build it and they will come and you'll make improvements along the way as you go um yeah you guys you guys you know maybe you're you're shaming me into doing it <laughs> that's that's what we're here for um we're just one one big well then uh, i expect to see all of you signed up to my i expect to log into my my youtube account and see you all like oh comments right. on every video i get four <laughs> subscribers five subscribers in one day awesome. we'll even make craig sign up yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, spread the word, right? Monetize. Fund that cabin. And, you know, yes. Get some, get some monetization. Herner's, yeah, Herner's right. Hobby Ranch Getaway. Right, um, yeah. The Hobby Hoedown. Um, hobby Hoedown. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, so anyway, I mean, you know, the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
so so steve anything that like you're working on or you want to talk about we always you know give give a chance for any guests we have to kind of if there's anything you want to promote or anything you want to talk about or mention kind of before you know before we wrap up would would love to give you the the microphone you know for if, if you want to tell us another story at whatever it is <laughs> Uh, you sure you want to do that? Uh, you know, what have we been talking for? Almost two and a half hours now. Um, yeah, no, I, I pre- well, first of all, thanks for you know, thanks for letting me come on the show and monopolize all your time. Um, I appreciate that. Um, thank you for all the kind words. Um, you guys really stroked my ego tonight, and uh, it, it was nice to hear all the great. Um, feedback and compliments to what we've built with holy the holy events. I hope, I genuinely hope the holy events can continue on some level to some degree. If it's just havoc, that's fine because of the two events. That's my most favorite event. Um, is holy havoc is the team event. Um, and and um, so I I hope to see everybody in the future. Um, you know, please, you know. Check out my fledgling YouTube channel. Um, uh, check me out, Holy Hammer Hearn. Um, and then, you know, follow me on Twitter, please. Um, that always helps um, to get the voice out there. Um, you know, and um, and once again, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for giving me a platform to, to talk to everybody. And, um, you know, don't – somebody asked me on Twitter today – or somebody made a comment today on Twitter about about being overwhelmed by all the great hobby that she has been seeing. I apologize if I don't know I don't remember her name. Don't be intimidated. Everybody everybody starts somewhere. Don't be intimidated by what you see out there. Use it as inspiration and only judge your work and the progress you're making on your work. Don't compare your work to others. Compare your work to the previous work that you've done. And you'll see growth in that work. And each day is another step closer to, to, to getting to where you feel comfortable with your art and with what you're doing. And don't give up. Awesome. Steve, thank you so much. It's, uh, it's great to not only you know, catch up with a, with a friend, but uh, kind of get your take on stuff. We really appreciate it. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, some, someday we can... Uh, all, all four of us be in the same room with you rolling dice and <laughs> checking out cool models again. So thank you yeah. for joining us and we've definitely appreciated it. Well, thanks. For, well, thanks again, guys. It was fun. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. And we're back. After our discussion with Steve, that was really great. Um, I'm excited to hear that. He had some really just awesome, awesome um, things to say. And, and we will uh, look forward to getting that out there amongst the, uh, the listening public. Um, as, as usual, friends and, and listeners and, and family, because I feel like family might be some of our only listeners these days, uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. Um, contact us, Facebook, Twitter at Play and Slay and Show. Uh, harass Troy on the website, basementofdeath.com. I believe he is due for a um, Siege of Terra update to the Horus Heresy reading guide. Um, 
as I see him kind of yes. trembling yes. that I'm putting him the, on the spot. Yeah, the fans are are har- harassing me. That's a good Yeah, word. the barbarians so, are at the gates. Yep, it yep. is. Yep. Siege of Terra. See, I made a barbarians at the gates reference there just for you, Troy. Um, email all of us by name, first name at basementofdeath.com, especially intern. That is Bryce's first name at basementofdeath.com. <laughs> It was a great episode. Looking forward to episode 50, where we'll uh, find something crazy to do, because that's a big number, guys. The show is uh, is turning 5-0. I'm going to wear a fun hat. <laughs> 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 Wonderful for a podcast to, to wear a funny hat. Uh, I thought so, I too. love it. Yeah. And as, as we all await episode 50, keep the dice rolling. The drinks on ice, and no matter what, keep playing and slaying. I didn't have a good place to add it, but I I wanted to throw in um, one of my awesome uh, co-hosts showed up to my door with uh, these these amazing (laughs) markers, uh, you know, for playing miniature games. And and like there's no ambiguity about how far away you are (laughs) away from the actual like the goal the objective um so i i just wanted to throw a, a quick shout out like thank you tyson for those <laughs>